0: Hi, I would like to remind everybody that we have video content. If you would like to watch things like the archives of my streams of horror games or the archives of my streams of uh, Souls games or FromSoft games, things like that, or Gary's uh, Darkest Dungeon Let's Play sessions, you can go to YouTube.com slash DuckFeedTV. We appreciate it. Greta is coming in and saying hi to me, and I'm not going to ruin the take So we're going to live with her meows. Anyway, you can also go to Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV in order to support this network. This preamble has gone on too long. Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV
1: My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross, and you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly Q and A listener response episode announcement podcast.
0: Yeah, <laughs> episode announcement <laughs> made it made its way to the billboard.
1: Yeah, it's it's back, baby. I want people to stay to the end of this so they hear the things. Me too. Yeah,
0: but people still you know. they say, "Oh, I skip to the end so I can hear the announcement."
1: And I guess well, that, like me, <laughs> you know. maybe maybe we shouldn't hide that. I don't know. Uh, you know, I don't know what it, the things that we decide to have be secret mm-hmm. on the network and the things like, there's no reason for us not to say like the next couple months right. if we wanted to, you know, we have it down. I think that we just don't want to set an expectation. Right. In that. case and, something you know, changes. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like so we'd be able to stick and run, yeah. you know? Yeah, exactly. That That's us. We're the stick and run boys. Yeah. Stick and run, rough and rowdy ready boys. Um <laughs> Yeah, so the uh, we keep that a secret though. Mm. You have to listen to the end of this because we get something if you do. I don't know. No, <laughs> I mean, it just like I think that these are good episodes, and I want people to hear them. Yeah, but like holding people hostage for that doesn't make any sense. I'm not calling you out for that. No, I'm, no, I'm it's, just, it's just a weird. You, I mean,
0: the, the the whole system's out of order is what it is.
1: It's incredibly out of order. Yeah. I can't handle the truth. <laughs> uh,
0: but yeah, we've <laughs> yeah. got your questions and props. We've got uh, the uh, topic for this month uh already mm-hmm. picked out and ready to go then we're Which gonna we
1: also won't tell you now for some reason um, nope but it isn't the <laughs> title <laughs> what what coy little fucks we are yeah how did i not notice that we're such precious little Brahmses about this shit
0: <laughs>
1: please daddy still conceal, conceal the lead You get to know about what's happening next I'm Unfilmable, but not our secret for Adaptation (laughs) Decay. (laughs) It's a surprise. We want to tease you about it. Yeah, we do. What is wrong with us? It makes me feel big. Disgusting. (laughs) I I am disgusted. Uh, It's so Uh, funny. uh, a ludicrous job.
0: Yeah, it's all our choice. Everything we do, we decide to do.
1: Totally, totally.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but then we're gonna read your responses to uh to, to February's games, your uh, your Atari thoughts. Uh, got a lot of Atari thoughts. Uh that's Death great. Death of the Outsider and XCOM.
1: Yep, the koi boys are back at it again. Mm-hmm. We're gonna start uh so if you want to ask us questions or suggest prompts, the way you do so is by being a patron. Mm-hmm. Go to patreon.com slash duckfeed TV. If you have listener responses to the games we play, everyone gets to do that. And mm-hmm. that's in a different place. You go to Duckfeed.tv slash contact. Yes. Um, And the 15th of the month is always the deadline for that. Yes. Um, Let's get into questions. Uh, I'll go ahead and get started here. Uh, Marcus says, this is a fun one. How about we decide what's fun, Marcus? Mm-hmm. Um, that's, Marcus doesn't say that. I say that. Uh, what tabletop or board game do you think would make a good video game adaptation? Likewise, would any video games work well adapted into board games? I really mm. like the old 1995 Westwood Monopoly game, uh, which gave the game great character and music and style visuals, including animations for property titles and fun movements like the submarine going onto the board to uh, complete with Periscope. Ooh. Um, I also like that Monopoly game. I have, not, I have played that. That's super fun. I have not played that. <laughs> uh, computer Monopoly is a weird, like, I will, you know, don't want to play real Monopoly. Right. But I'll sit down and play, like, Nintendo or Game Boy or Microprose or, you know, Westwood Monopoly mm-hmm. just for fun to pass the time from time yeah. to time. Um, w- w- weirdly see- seeing Westwood uh,
0: laid out here almost makes me want a clue game based on the Blade Runner game. Oh. Where, you, you know, where, where part of it is uh, guessing who was the
1: replicant. We we're really due for a Clue legacy or like clue to get the risk treatment mm-hmm. or something like that like a fancy board game version of clue. Yeah, they boarded up the conservatory. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like uh, you know, I, I can I can literally imagine that working and I'm kind of surprised it has not yeah, uh, happened. Um I have uh go-to answers for this. Okay. Uh to, to give you give you time. So, and this is this is lame because it's obscure. And mm-hmm. It's new, but uh the current Game du jour for our game brunch. I have a, a monthly game brunch with my, my game friends. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been playing a game called Too Many Bones, uh, which I would love a video game version of because there is no reason for it not to be a video game. Mm-hmm. Like it, it has uh, extreme video game energy as it is. It's awesome. It's uh, made for me. Um, it is uh, the kind of hook is there are a lot of different classes. They all play very differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is about character build and team based tactics and like a four by or like a five by five grid. OK, um, so like a small, small board tactics game with, uh, you know, move and action point economy. Um, it has aesthetics that are absolutely fucking poisonous. Uh, <laughs> the, car- the character designs on it make me want to die. Uh, OK, like I'm gonna yeah. I'm going to do a morph ball and jam a toilet with myself. <laughs> like I'm going to cause a, 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 a flood on Zebes from like, yeah. flushing myself down the toilet as a morph ball because the aesthetics look like absolute ass. But mechanically, it is. Really, really sound oh, and incredibly fun and deep.
0: What a what a bunch of uh, off putting little gremlins. Good God, I hate them so
1: much. And there's all wow. these like little Mimi jokes and stuff in the story. <laughs> and I was like, you you could have had an all time classic.
0: Yeah, but you fucked I, I it I up. of
1: world, you know I'm available to consult. <laughs> if you're gonna make a little kobold goblin shit eating gremlin game, like, yeah. please just grab me and I'll tell you not to. And then I'll take five hundred of your dollars and then we'll move on with our lives. Yeah. Wow. No, that's uh, that's something else. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's horrendous, man. But the, the game itself is incredible fun. It's like really expensive. It's not, you can play it one player, which I looked into getting it because I liked it enough to where I could imagine playing it mm-hmm. uh, one player. Uh, but it is too expensive to justify that. No. Yeah. So but every Sunday I'm having like a hell of a time, like exploring these new classes and having a lot of fun with that. And I would love to be able to do that at home and have a computer like handle all the die rolls and shit. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool as hell. Yeah. Um, I really don't play a lot of, like, tabletop games or board game kind of thing. So
0: it's, it's want to take the other? Yeah, I'll, the ta- other, I'll take tops? the other one. Yeah. Um, I would really be into a uh, Frostpunk um, oh, sure. board game. I think that that uh, really, really fits uh, mm-hmm. just in terms of, you know, basically the way it handles exposing information to you and the idea of managing a town as a team. Um, yeah. And having like different incentives for different roles, and like leading different factions, uh, and trying to ensure survival while also kind of getting your own way, um, really seems like it'd be a great way to do this. Uh, that studio, Eleven Bit, they actually they they have a um, a board game adaptation of this War of Mine. So like, oh yeah, yeah, I saw that. They're not like you know new to this they have done it and i have to i have to believe maybe there is one in the works or there w- was one in the works at one time but yeah frostbunk mm-hmm. i think would make an amazing board game
1: be incredible like it'd be really great you'd have like you know the random events the way that like things roll up mm-hmm. you know is just like born for a deck of cards you know and you get those little things like these mm-hmm. choices like if if you want to do this do this you yeah. know open this envelope like that is that is born for a legacy game yeah you know, something like that. That would be amazing. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, so. and maybe like the next group of survivors finds the remains of your old group. And oh, that yeah. changes the start, the starting condition. Yeah, depending on your
1: end, end condition. Yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. You know, it would be, a, I, I think it works best. It would work best as a single player game. Mm-hmm. I think making that multiplayer would be tricky. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't want that to be competitive where both players just run their own... Thing or you're in the same town with opposite goals would be difficult. Yeah. But as a single player or maybe uh, a multiplayer where different people are like the ministers of different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like minister of labor, minister of of construction, mm-hmm. you know, minister of exploration, something yeah, like that. Yeah. That might work really well. Do it.
0: Do it like that one. Um, that app-assisted XCOM game where like one person's yeah. research, the other person's air force, etc. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um. Good question. Yeah. Good question. Good answers. <laughs> I mean,
0: I'll let them decide (laughs) that. We decide what's (laughs) fun, they decide what's good. And we decide what to tell you. daddy. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Tara writes, this is maybe uncharacteristically antagonistic of me. Uh, but my friend has been speedrunning a certain PlayStation action platform series by a steam developer, naughty dog lately with a protagonist who will apparently be getting an ill-deserved place in the smash brothers ultimate roster as well. And honestly, how can you both pour out so much vitriol on donkey Kong country when crash bandicoot exists and is in every way the same thing, but worse in all regards. Uh, and even more behind its era in terms of design. Note: This is in no way a defense of Donkey Kong Country, which, despite my personal affection for, I fully recognize as a basically inferior product as well. Nobody talks uh, about Crash Bandicoot. Everybody talks about Donkey Kong Country, and we cannot let that
1: be. Yeah, that's that's definitely. I mean, that's that's probably the heart of it, right? Yeah. Like yeah. if you know if if uh, if something is constantly being. And that's that's an exaggeration, but if something is <laughs> is consistently being brought to your attention, yeah, and you yeah. think it's lame, you're more likely to comment on it than something that is obscure. Yes, like I and, and it's also the other aspect of that is that it's like it's not a race. No, you know, no. there's there's room in my heart for condemnation of two really bad aesthetics, <laughs> right? You know, like the 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 like Ooga Booga Witch Doctor Man of Crash Bandicoot mm-hmm. and all that like questionably kind of racist stuff, and then the uh, you know funky jungle rhythms of uh of donkey kong both seem equally abhorrent to me yeah um and then for me personally like part of it's that uh that 3d cel-shaded thing that i think looks really bad yeah no you know on the donkey kong games i played the most of um you know they do the uh the crash games don't do that even though they do other stuff that's like lousy it's not great Uh, agreed you know so yeah uh so that that is my answer but it is a lot of it is just like donkey kong still for some reason, a lot of people people out there have a lot of affection for that Donkey Kong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand. Neither do I. Additionally, like, I
0: mean, like, good, good, good call out. Yeah, I mean, and mm-hmm. just, just in terms of you know, putting us on the record. Yeah, they, 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 they can both suck. Additionally, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Country, like us disliking Donkey Kong, is kind of a network meme at this point.
1: That's true to you. Know? Like, we're, so, yeah, kind of playing into it. Yeah. Like, uh, and, and that's not us just being like expecting like, hey, every time we see Donkey Kong, the crowd should go wild. No, no. It's it's more just like, we, you know, it comes up as a ready example because we can go increasingly far with it and do increasing, uh, increasingly extreme comparisons and, and similes and metaphors and stuff mm-hmm. that end up being funny because they're so outsized. You know, it's it's putting on a full suit of armor and jousting a, a ice cream sundae. Yes. You know, like I understand the degree to which Donkey Kong is ultimately extremely harmless in my life. Mm-hmm we watched that fucking cartoon
0: though we did but that was also our choice we could have decided not to do it
1: no no i just mean in terms of like the evidence column against the hated kong is there is
0: there there has to have been like a one season like syndicated crash bandicoot tv
1: show right well adaptation decay here we come we should find out (laughs) can't wait love to find out the lore (laughs)
0: <laughs> crash ba- whoa crash bandicoot tv series guess what it's canadian uh, yeah. Fr- french american computer animated children's television series oh yeah from the
1: makers of the donkey kong yep
0: produced by we do <laughs>
1: I, I wonder what kind of mystic orbs he has to find in it
0: <laughs> it's probably just like a straight-up reskin <laughs>
1: Amazing! Like they're in the same. They're just mapped over. The textures just mapped over the same. Yeah. Models. Oh like, wow! Why is Crash so? Why so Crash so buff? <laughs> like, it's so weird. I don't <laughs> like strong Crash. Uh, uh, please, 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 de- Dude, Peter, show me, strong Crash. <laughs> <Shit>. <laughs>
0: um. There, there's a character named Doctor N Jin who's voiced by Nolan North. Oh okay. Wait, they have John
1: DiMaggio in here. Oh, it's so it must be good, Maurice Lamarche. You know, like <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll watch it eventually. Yeah,
0: I had no idea. You know Should I not?
1: Shit, man. Fuck. <sighs> um, <clears throat> Matt Wilson says, a "Longtime Rustler, first time, first time patron. Uh, what's your take on the car combat genre of video games, and would you consider covering one for WAF someday? I know the genre hasn't aged well, but I have a lot of nostalgia for several of those games. We need to hear your thoughts on what worked and what didn't, and why the genre isn't around anymore. Thanks for the insight and entertainment." Thanks, Matt.
0: Is there um, an example of this that is not Twisted Metal?
1: Yeah, a lot of like Carmageddon. A lot of them are like on uh, PC. Yeah, yeah, okay. Twisted Metal is the uh, the console crossover mm-hmm. car combat game that I know of. Yeah. No, like m- maybe Banjo
0: Kazooie, nuts and bolts, kind of works, or kind of works on that too, because there is like some arena combat in there. Um, mm. I don't Rage know. Rage like- has car combat in it. Yes, Rage has car, car
1: combat in it. Auto Assault, the car combat MMO. Sure. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, have, I have no real strong opinion on it. I, I no. hate to be disappointing uh, about that, but I did not play a lot of those games. I played some mm-hmm. Twisted Metal, and it was all right. Um, yeah. But I don't. I didn't go deep with it. Mm-hmm. Um, th- that said, like I have no opposition to doing covering something like that. Like it'd be interesting to dip into something that is a genre that I don't know very much about.
0: Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I rented Twisted Metal Black for the PS2 and had fun with it you know but um i think that oh you know what it was like when twisted metal one two and three were coming out my cousin was like super into the story of it and he would basically describe like all of the like ironic punishments that each of them would get and when i went to play it myself um on the ps2 and it was mostly just like death matches in these arenas it was like oh this in my head this was way different than than what my cousin sold me so yeah. like that that there was that initial uh, disconnect.
1: Yeah, I, I, uh, I remember one of the things I remember about it just from picking up from osmosis is how story heavy it is. Yeah. Like the, uh, the specific evil clown of Sweet, Sweet, Tooth. Metal ha- Sweet Tooth has a surprising amount of backstory and pathos to him, uh, is my understanding. Um, in a weird way, like it almost feels like it presages those Mortal um, Kombat games now. like a fun bonkers story but you know Mm -hmm. there's just a fighting game i feel like that's what kind of the twisted metal games were back in the day but yeah i again i just know about that from i don't know yeah i dreamed it like i i don't know (laughs) yeah Um, so like each of
0: the you know mutants who drive those cars has a backstory but every single ending like if you win like the twisted metals trick is is just you know wishmaster reporting for duty
1: yeah yeah Yeah. they they want you know sweet tooth Ask for, like, a big balloon animal, but then he gets, you know, his intestines blown up and turned into a a carousel. Happens every time. Happens every time. Happens to the best of us and the worst of us. Yeah, Uh, So not opposed, but no real opinion is my answer. Yeah.
0: yeah. Not opposed. Let's see here. Stuart writes, you mentioned in your Human Revolution episode that you'd play a standalone game about the hacking minigame uh, were it more fully fleshed out. Are there other hacking or lockpicking minigames you think have that potential for depth or are just super interesting? Um,
1: I would do if there was an app version of the computer hacking from the 3D Fallouts. Yeah, that would be mine, actually. Yeah, yeah I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would need the aesthetics and the, the, the typing noise and all that jazz. Yeah. But I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for a time, yeah. Just m- make it. I don't know. You know. You don't even
0: have to make it like gimmicky. Make it randomly mm-hmm. generated, just as a way for me to do basically a word find mixed with Mastermind. That, yeah, no, that's fine it, enough.
1: Yeah. To, to me, that is the king of the the unlocking things mini game. Yeah. Um, something I was thinking about, uh, is that, uh, former Duckfeed presents superstar thief simulator is kind of a collection of these. Oh yeah. Yeah. In a way like that game kind of plays like that in a way that I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's on sale, like currently as we're recording this, but has been for a while for like $2 on switch. Yeah. And I am going to dip back into thief simulator and uh, start a, start a new thief. I think
0: I picked up the, Sim- thief simulator VR. Um, Ooh, yeah. I like, I, I need to rearrange my office to make it work. Uh, cause mm-hmm. you gotta, you gotta be able to walk around and, you know, duck and stuff like that. Steal things. Yeah. you Gotta be able to steal yeah. stuff.
1: Yeah. You <laughs> gotta if... set up a VR in somebody else's apartment. Yep. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't even need a quest. You just need some goggles to put on.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to mail the contents of your, uh, your points yep. to the developer of Thief Simulator. Yep. <laughs> the, um.
0: Yeah. But yeah, the, the, the Thief Simulator, I think is kind of the ultimate example of this. Mm-hmm. Just because it steals <laughs> it steals all of its lock picking and and hacking mechanics from elsewhere
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. um let's see uh let me move on to other questions here yeah uh, save we have a, just a couple game questions we're gonna save them for uh for next month or for an overflow mm-hmm. uh, so i got a life question here dan sayer says what is the best pizza combo uh, one each, so the, he's saying that we both get to answer it. Okay. Uh, his uh, his is uh, chicken, bacon, steak, mushroom, and sweet corn on a sourdough base with a hot dog stuffed crust. Uh, P.S. Patreon tier uh, will be reduced if I find out one of you does not like pizza. No. As that is
0: crazy. We're humans. We like but, pizza. Yeah,
1: pizza's good. Yeah. Um, you you really had me with your pizza up until you said hot dog stuffed crust. Yeah. I, like, everything about that sounded pretty good to me. Like, I, mm-hmm. I am not a pizza purist. I think pizza purists are, are dumb. Mm-hmm. You, know, you do whatever you want with a pizza. Who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, but the hot dog stuffed crust kind of loses me there. And I don't even turn my nose up at a hot dog.
0: No. So. It, it, it seems a little bit uh, like hat on a hat, right? Sure. Yeah. I, I would probably also, like, mm, like I would look sideways at, a, like, a, just a mozzarella stuffed crust version of this. But, like, it wouldn't turn me off as much as
1: the, as the hot dog one. Yeah. yeah. In general, a stuffed crust is not my
0: favorite thing in a pizza. No, no, it it it's really it, it is too filling. I think. Yeah. 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 But just puts a brick of cheese in your in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I'm really easy to please on this. Like my favorite combination of toppings. Unflavored is... for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just like my 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 craziest wish for for any of these is just onion onion and some kind of like spicy sausage would be yeah, uh, yeah. would be for me.
1: Oh, that's a classic. Like yeah. onion sausage pizza is extremely good. Yeah. Um. You know, I I I eat all kinds of pizza. So mm-hmm. like, uh, or enjoy all kinds of pizza. I don't eat it very often, but yeah. I really love pizza. So like, you know, a go-to, you know, so this isn't necessarily the best combo, like the mm-hmm. best pizza I've ever had because I've gone to fancy ass pizza places yeah, yeah. and gotten gotten really fancy pizza. But uh, my go-to would be like a mozzarella tomato basil. Mm-hmm thing, but not the marguerite that just has the olive oil base. Like I want sauce. Yes. So, so a cheese and mozzarella, but then also like chunks of mozzarella, like mm-hmm. fresh mozzarella, basil and tomato. Yeah. Is a, is a high quality combo to me, but I, like, I'm so not picky when it comes to pizza. Like, Pizza is fucking good. Yeah, um, I, I think like like really. Please don't depatronize us. It's <laughs> <Pizza's laughs> good. Please, please don't lower your tear. Yeah. Pizza so good. <laughs> Dan, no, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there are only two topics. Two two toppings that I don't really like. I don't care for mushrooms and like pickled banana pepper is not really. It just it ruins the flavor of it for me. Mm. yeah and like those I are the like, only a, I like
1: a black olive yeah black like olive is kind of in this a, yeah i mean a salty olive, but no no black
0: olives. yeah black olive is kind of in the same in the same realm as the uh as the as the pickled black pepper or the pickled you know yellow pepper yeah yep yeah um now like the like the best pizza i had was like this fancy pizza place in brooklyn called franny's or something like that and it was like one of those like super basic like here's crust and mozzarella and sea salt and like yeah. oil and it was incredibly good tasting and you only mm-hmm. got a little bit of it um and you paid a lot but it was you know it was like oh yeah like th- th- this can be good and masterful but like on yeah. a regular you know just <laughs> every day pizza you can get a hold of onion sausage i am fine mm-hmm. being basic yeah that's a good pizza yep. onion and sausage is a real good combo Um, let's see here. Retro asks, as you boys are into your spookums, have either of you had any paranormal or unexplainable experiences? Um, extra points. If it's gaming related in any way. Mm. -hmm. Uh,
1: no is my answer. No is my answer as well. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) sorry, listeners. (laughs) I just don't, uh, you know, if it's happened, I forgot about it. I've Mm -hmm. had like, you know like when walking around and saw like you know a weird shadow or a movement mm-hmm. you know, but that's not paranormal that's a raccoon <laughs> right you know that, that that's you know that, that's 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 a little that's a little garbage friend that's not you know anything scary right uh i think uh in general, and I've had like things that were genuinely scary, mm-hmm. like I've had somebody uh like it tail me for a while it felt like yeah, and that that activated my fear responses but it didn't feel supernatural. Mm-hmm. Um, I also have a horrible imagination where, like if I am in scary mode, i will in my mind, I will picture a lot of stuff, yeah, like uh in the turn of the decade when I was going through my slender man phase mm-hmm. was uh you know, before I gained all this weight
0: um <laughs> i
1: uh was like picturing you know, I'd look at people's windows as I was walking around at night and picture like a slender man or slender Men in there, yeah, and uh and would spook myself out, but I knew I was just playing a game with myself, yeah. You know, I never thought any of it was real. I was just like, I'm, I'm doing this because I'm enjoying a little, a little bit of like patina of fear as I walk home in the dark. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, like I've had that where like something looks like it's a person lurking in a place. Man, I really ran into this. There was a, uh, there was a house near my college house that had a cardboard cutout of Han Solo in the front door.
1: Oh um, yeah.
0: And I like I knew it was there every single time, but I'd be walking home at night and already a little bit keyed up because you're in a college neighborhood. It's a place where crimes of opportunity happen, et cetera, et cetera. You know, from any kind of like theft up to like a frat guy vomiting on you, some keyed up. Yeah. Right. And yeah. every time I would see the just the shadow of the Han Solo standing on the door, like basically looking at me. But mm-hmm. any time I've experienced that, it has always been just my brain filling in a pattern, <laughs> just my brain, yeah, yeah. you know, m- interpreting a coincidence in a different way. You know, I don't, yeah. I don't believe in the supernatural. Mine's open. My mind is open for any, you know, uh, convincing evidence. But I, you know, I, I, I do not, I have not experienced one myself.
1: There's, there's a couple like art houses in Portland where people have cutouts or statues and stuff on their, their porches. Yeah. And every single time that gives me a, a good spook.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, no, you just see, you know, it's
0: like the, the mind is always looking for that person waiting in the shadows coming to get you.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, it's because of the dangerous podcaster lifestyle. Yep, you know <laughs> it's why I don't yeah. leave the house. <laughs> it's why I carry my podcaster's blade <laughs> with me. I leave the house, <laughs> by which I mean my razor sharp wit. Yep, Ooh the podcaster's cutting somebody,
0: blade cutting somebody down to size. Man, this was...
1: hey mugger, what's your favorite <laughs> video game? <laughs> Huh? This huh? this mugging is so poorly paced. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah you, like at least get to the money sooner. Yeah, like, you haven't even shown the weapon, and this mugging has been going on for two minutes.
0: Yeah, no. Like this all so this talky. all this lead up. <laughs> oh, f- yeah, about this anthem. Every talking about this anthem uh. never paid out. You know, played yeah. out. Come on. Uh, don't don't bore us. Get to the chorus, man. <laughs> um.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, uh. Good. Uh, Aaron says, um, I'd like to formally request more of Cole's opinion on historical documents. It's one of my favorite uncommon bits that you guys do. Uh, shout out to Pocket for enabling it. Also, Gary, what are your thoughts on the American Constitution? Um, so, th- this, I don't know where this came from, but like right. for, you know, like a long time, I've been whenever I need to like, and I, I do it a lot to Will. Right. And I did it a lot to Brayton as well. Uh-huh. Uh, I think this originated in Teenage Dirt Bags, but if I had to get up and I didn't feel like, Making somebody else edit it out or right. editing it out myself. I would just say like monologue for a little bit and like what does the constitution mean to you is my my go-to yeah. monologue topic. Uh and that is what this is in reference to. But it happens a lot, uh happened a lot in teenage Bags, happens a lot in everything to Guppy. Mm-hmm. And the way that everything to Guppy is like infecting the rest of the show, the network. You, you
0: had definitely done that on Abject Suffering well oh, before yeah. that.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's true too, yeah. Yeah. I think I think I had a phase of it and I kind of remembered it. Uh-huh. You know, like for a little while, I was doing a lot in teaser bags and epic suffering. And then like it hibernated like a, like a locust and then came back. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So. I, like, I don't know that I can like off the, off the top of my head, talk about a historical document. Like I would need to be prompted with one. And I think oh, the, of the Bill this, of Rights. <laughs> it's, it's necessary. Uh, it's kind of weird that it's like considered to be this extra thing. Yeah. Good, that, good answer. That, 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 that's my one. That's my one or two sentences mm-hmm. on the Bill of Rights. Yeah. See, the thing is, like, you went away and you didn't hear my. <laughs> you, no. You, you no, never. I, you never hear my 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 explanations of like what the Magna Carta means.
1: No, no, exactly, and 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 different people do different things with it. So yeah. like, Brayton would always answer about D and D constitution. Gotcha. Like yeah. That was like Brayton's thing, uh, and then who knows what Will does? <laughs> like, you know, who knows what secrets lurk in the hand, hearts of that man? Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, and, and, and I pretty much just always say the same thing about the Constitution. It's good that it can change. How about yeah, you? Yeah. Hey, it's, Gary, what's what's your thought on the Constitution? Big shot?
1: Well, I think that it's good that it can change. Yeah. And I, I think that uh, in general, I think there's a weird kind of deification of it. Yes. That I think is really strange. Like, that, it I think that it's weaponized a lot in terms of, like, you know, they don't even care about the Constitution yeah. without actually, like, thinking about what that implies or means, mm-hmm. as if it has totemic value on its own. And I think that. The idea of it having kind of totemic or symbolic value on its own is dumb. Yeah. No, I think it's that, only as good as its contents.
0: That that, that, that that is something that was laid abundantly bare if you were like me and listened to every hour of the uh,
1: impeachment hearings.
0: Fuck. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like, sorry, dude. <laughs>
0: yeah. You're right.
1: Like... It, was, it was my choice.
0: I made the choice to do it, Gary. <laughs>
1: like. We're 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 consummate American stove touchers over here. Yeah. <laughs> so, like it's a it is a continuous yeah. problem.
0: Yeah, it's I I know what I'm doing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But it's a good bit. Well, thanks, keep, sir. Yeah, thank you. Um, thanks. Um, Uh, Theodore writes, I'm in my late twenties and doing my first year of a university degree, uh, between working, spending time with my partner and playing with my cat, reading and doing assignments. The hours in the day, week or month never seem to add up enough. Um, given your experience, balancing tons of work on duck feed, as well as outside work. Um, I'm wondering if you can discuss time management techniques that you found
1: helpful. Yeah. Um, Cole may have a more robust answer for this Mm -hmm. than I do. I open up a word document uh, on my computer. And so I wake up, I look at my calendar or I think about what I have to do. Mm -hmm. I open up a word document. I put like it to 72 point font and I write a big list of things I want to get done and then just do them and cross them off. And then I've also, I now have a whiteboard to my left that has a list of all the games that I should be playing. Right. So every game we have planned for the show Uh is there in order. So if I'm like doing something else or I feel like skipping ahead, I can look and say like, ah, you know what? I got to beat axiom verge. Yes. So, Um,
0: so I've cycled through many different things. Oftentimes, like if if I get into a deep depression, that is the thing that causes me to fall behind on things. Um, and I do like a reevaluation, adapt a new system or whatever. The, um, constant thing is always calendars. Uh, time boxing Mm -hmm. is very good. Uh, you know, even if that is a plan that is going to change time boxing, is just like, okay, th- the, this two hours of the day is going to be for editing and I'm going to do this on a Monday and I'm going to edit everything that I've got to edit. Um, and there you go. Um, doesn't I, time boxing sound like the coolest sport? There's a, there's a huge differential between how it sounds and what it actually is. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that, like blood relative, you know, it's like, it's like one of those things. Time boxing. Yeah. The sport of, the sport of future Kings, you know, <laughs> future and past Kings. Yeah, exactly. Like King Arthur versus like Gromlor, the Lord of Michigan. <laughs>
0: King Zipzorp. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. King Zipzorp versus Merlin <laughs> in a bare knuckle boxing match. Time boxing. <laughs>
0: Um I also like I I've I've got a, a whiteboard on the wall uh currently off to the side of me. It's it's pretty big. And I've got like a grid of like all the releases that we've got coming up. Mm. So like there's adaptation decay, there's this week's level, I've got all my YouTube stuff up there. Um along with like uh spots for I used like um like uh, craft tape to mark out a grid mm, a mm-hmm. grid for this. So like I've got like the Patreon release date, the public date And then all of the steps for basically everything we do, consume, research, record, edit, publish. And, Mm -hmm. like, to me, like, being able to mark along, mark ticks along those grids every time and then erase stuff when it goes and then move stuff up the list, like, manually is very satisfying in terms of, you know, cycling stuff through and getting Mm -hmm. ahead.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Finding something that feels satisfying so you feel like you're accomplishing things is important in that scenario, I think. Yeah. Um,
0: You know, and... Uh, you'd like there are all kinds of systems you can look at on this. Don't pick something that ends up being more work than just doing the actual thing. Yeah, I something that I, I
1: yeah I say something a lot, which is preparing to work isn't work. Yes, like yeah. there, there's a there's an element of preparation, but if you you know if just fucking do it is isn't mm-hmm. uh, you know if that would work, that's always the correct answer. Yeah, like I I generally think like putting things off and kind of like making a shape for something that is very easy uh-huh. to do or something that won't take very much time is a trap that people fall into a lot. Yeah. You know, like, Oh, well, like, I mean, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, you know, make this doctor's appointment, I need to like go to my calendar and figure out what I'm doing it. And then have my, you know, my available dates ready or anything, or mm-hmm. you can call the doctor and then while it's ringing, pull up your calendar Yeah, yeah. and just do the thing. And that's the mm-hmm. the way it will happen. Yeah. You know, yeah, it needs no. to be
0: lightweight and it needs to meet you where you are. Like you don't, you know, it shouldn't be that you have to go to it. Like I can have this up on my whiteboard here because literally everything for work happens in this office. Yep. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, moving on to uh, media questions. Yeah. Yeah. And this, this is like a question for Cole. More, more likely, it feels like uh, Ethan says the mountain goats call and ask you to drop everything and help them write a song. What is it about and what does it sound like? Ah, uh, probably about doing meth in a culvert while reading a Bible. Sounds right. Yeah.
0: That's pretty much every mountain goats song. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm <Yes. laughs> I, I I really like uh, you know, uh, I am not somebody who like draws a firm line at um oh gosh, Tallahassee, uh mm-hmm. in terms of like what is good mountain goats and what is bad mountain goats you know i i do tend to like you know all hell west texas so i like that lo-fi kind of sound to it but even you know if it was one of the popular ones like cry for judas or something off of transcendental youth that'd be fine like what it's about like you know i just pick, i would just tell them to pick a bible story yeah <laughs> i don't yeah. know it's fine I, I, i'm good i'm good with all those i've got uh, i've just uh, very unsatisfying answers
1: for this yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's 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 a it's a tough question yeah the uh, you know, but uh yeah, I giving. also
0: don't feel like it would be my place to tell
1: John Darnielle how to write a song. No, he's he's fine. Yeah, he's doing good. He's he's getting by just fine. Yeah, just fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, let's hear.
0: Uh, Christopher writes. What are some good graphic novels and comicy stuff? I've really only read some Sandman, Watchmen, and that bat and that Batman Dark Knight Returns thing. Give me some good stuff. Uh, yeah
1: yeah, um uzumaki uh, is must
0: read
1: yeah uzumaki is really really good and i know uh christopher likes horror stuff Mm -hmm. um basically the entire like run of uh vertigo classics uh is basically mandatory Yeah, you know so like Transmetropolitan, uh planetary which is wild storm not vertigo um but that's very good Mm -hmm. um like basically anything grant morrison or uh warren ellis did for vertigo yeah is really really good um X Machina is getting turned into a TV show, and that's a really good comic. Hmm. It's Brian K. Vaughn. Um it's a guy who gets the superpower to talk to machines. Um and he stops one of the trade towers from falling on 9-11 and oh. gets elected mayor. Oh like, yeah, it, there we go. You know, it, it takes place it's not about him being a superhero, it's about him being a mayor <laughs> and uh and dealing with um or Governor, rather. Uh, and him, I, I think it's Governor. And him, uh, his, like, past coming back to haunt him. Yeah. About that. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's really good. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite Brian K. Vaughn comic. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot of stuff out there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: I just, my, like, my my top recommendation would be Uzumaki. Like, all of the other stuff that I've read, um, comics-wise, has been recommendations through Gary. You know, so like I could say the filth, but that is, you know, encompassed in the, you know, image or Vertigo comics.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the Grant, Grant Morrison mid two thousand stuff is extremely good. Yeah. Um, he did a comic recently called The Nameless that is also excellent hmm. and is getting made into a movie as well. Um, cool. And it has a weird it has a weird manga connection in the, the weirdest way, because when people show the symbol from it, people thought it was the berserk symbol. And people were like really excited and oh. it turned out it's actually the symbol from The Nameless. And then I was like, oh, like I would like. You know, I mean, I guess I, we have a lot of Berserk adaptations. I don't know what we need anymore. Um, <laughs> no one's quite gotten it right. Right. Uh, and then uh, I read the Nameless. list. And I was like, oh, this, this fucking owns. Like, yeah. Grant Morrison is back on his trippy scary shit mm-hmm. after, you know, just a decade of what if Batman.
0: Is that just so, um, like, a, like a four or six issue run? Because I've got the trade yeah. paperback of it.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. There's no, there's no sequels or anything. The nameless gotcha. is a contained thing. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, there, there's tons of shit. And then uh, mm-hmm. listen to uh, Days of Future Cast to hear yeah. us talk about X, good X Men shit.
0: Yeah, no, just all of that. Um, is, is the entire run of New X Men on Marvel Unlimited? Yep. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah very because, much. So. Because, like, I would make a suggestion to read that whole run of New X Men, but like the omnibus is very expensive and also very difficult to read because it's so big. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Too thick. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's on uh, on, on Unlimited. Yes. Uh, yeah, a uh, quick one. Cinder Elf says, have you seen this television show Grimm? It is set and filmed in Port- Portland. Quite fun. Maybe want to visit someday, but I'd have to travel all the way from Norway. Um, I have not seen it, but I do know that it f- shoots in Portland. Hmm. Um, every once in a while you're walking around or not, not so much anymore. I don't think that, I don't know if Grimm is still on, but when it was on every once in a while, like a street would be closed down for filming and there'd be like a little piece of paper taped to the, the barrier that said, you know, filming for Grimm. Gotcha. So, but I've not, I've not seen it. Yeah, I've not seen it either. Yeah, it is cool sounding, but and I believe you, that's fun, and you should come visit Portland. Yeah, it's a cool place, Mm -hmm. and I should come visit Norway. Yeah, no, seems like it's a cool cool place.
0: place. (laughs) Uh, Matthew writes often. The point comes up on your shows uh, that brevity in media is a plus, since longer media takes up too much of our time. However, is there any game or movie you remember feeling was too short uh, to you personally?
1: Um, it's it's gonna sound like a, a gimmick answer. I feel like maybe no. Yeah. Like what is what is something where I've I've like ended and been like that? I wanted just more of that no matter what. Yeah. Like I, I really appreciate like things tend to burn out, mm-hmm. you know, and end in kind of a way that is, you know, unsatisfying or keep going or they tend to be like flea bag where it's like oh that's over and it's awesome like yeah. that had a perfect ending.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, so it's it's pretty rare that like that happens. I think yeah uh, it's it's hard for me to find
0: one. Um, there were a lot of problems with the Dark Tower movie um that wouldn't have like been solved by the movie being longer I think it was two hours and that's about as long as the movie should be um, but it was just paced very badly in that they tried to cover way too much stuff and made mm-hmm. it uh, just a, just a fucking mess. Uh, of like breathless pacing and trying to finish as many things as they could. So like, yeah, that was like, if they were going to cover all that stuff, it should have been done over a longer period of time, but that's more about pacing than like total quantity than anything. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I might say, I might say no, (laughs) like they're probably, they're probably like generally isn't like, I don't know. It's even hard to say, like, yeah, I looked at this game and it finished and all I wanted was more of it at the end. I don't know if that's just because of my job. Um yeah. Or yeah, it's just hard.
1: games that like I love, uh-huh. right? So like, you know, we did uh we did uh Dragonfall. Yep. And I love that game. And it's not too short as a game. No. And I you know immediately played Hong Kong afterwards because I wanted more of that style, but I was very happy to be in a new setting and new story. Yeah. So sometimes there are like series where I want to have a continuation, but I would much rather like Redo something with a different perspective on it or a different build yeah. or uh, have like kind of an iteration. Yeah. Like I don't want Deus Ex Human Revolution to be longer or Deus, Ga- Deus Ex Mankind Divided to be longer. I do want another Deus Ex game. Yes. That's kind of how that articulates for me. It yeah. is extremely rare that I want something just to kind of keep going. I Most things are too long. Yeah. I, I really, really honestly do feel that you can make your point quicker than they do. Yeah. Uh, you know. And yeah. that's why it'll be like 2025 before we do a persona game for the show, because <laughs> they're all a million hours long. Yeah, it, it, I, I feel
0: very safe making it a blanket rule and keeping it a blanket rule that everything we would be better if it was 20% shorter,
1: including these shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. So <laughs> we it's, it's us too. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, moving on to uh, show questions. Uh, here, saving a little bit for later. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, rookie says rookie. Whenever I see the word rookie, I think of rookie and the, uh, the pyre voice. Rookie. (laughs) Uh, Is there anything about the way you sound that makes you really cringe when you hear it? Or is there something in the past that you've worked to remove from your own podcasting voice? E.g., I really dislike my own laugh. Uh, Maybe someday, but now I don't give a shit.
0: Yeah, maybe a while ago uh, at this point, I have heard enough of it that I've gotten used to it. Or having an emotional response to yourself is not helpful. So it's not, you know, something I let happen. hmm Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, just trying to take filler words out is something I, tr- I have tried to do just over the course of, like, general, I mean, trying to get more professional. But that's mm-hmm. that's mostly been for my own sake, not from, like, going back and listening to myself. You know, it's not like, hey, this is Homer Simpson. Ah, why didn't anybody <laughs> tell me that's not <laughs> hilarious? You know, it wasn't like that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it just uh, no room for
0: an emotional response.
1: Yeah, I, I think that th- this is really common. Most people don't like the sound of their recorded voice, and yeah. through exposure, like it's literally aversion therapy, right? Like, yeah, yeah. if you're if you're going to hear yourself, you know, when we used to edit this in real time, I would spend the greater part of a Saturday mm-hmm. listening to myself.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, and I podcasted before the show came around, so I was mm-hmm. very used to it. Yeah, uh, if it was still a problem for me, my body would shut down. That you know, either I'd have to stop doing this, or my body would. <laughs> stop reacting poorly to it right yeah so if you're having that problem rookie Mm uh if you keep at it it will go away yeah don't try to change how you laugh because people will notice and you'll sound fucking weird yeah and yeah that is not the correct Mm -hmm. you know answer like don't try to change how you laugh that's a really elemental unique and probably good part of you that other people like yes so yeah
0: uh cassie writes this is uh, this is directed either at either Cole or Gary, but mostly Gary. Would you ever be interested in doing an Apocalypse World campaign as an actual play show on the network? Moreover, what are your thoughts on Apocalypse World both as a game and as a system?
1: Um, we get the actual play question from time to time. Yes. Uh this I think it is a really fun, good idea that uh, I don't have time to do. Right. And and you know uh, you know, someday down the road, like I am on a one show in, one show out policy right now. Mm-hmm um in terms of podcasts so like something would have to go away i don't say that to hold anything hostage mm-hmm. but i just as far as time goes i don't want to take on any new shows no. um but it would be fun to do uh mm-hmm. i think that if i were doing it um when it comes to actual play podcasts, there are different philosophies behind it i want to hear people playing a game yeah um i don't want to hear something that sounds like an audio play right so i want to hear dice at the table i want to hear people make asides i want the digressions mm-hmm. and stuff i want it to sound as natural as much like being at a table as possible yeah. and as little like listening to A radio play yeah as possible so if if i were crafting something like that that's how it would be Mm -hmm. um and in general like i really like apocalypse world um i think that it's it's really easy to play and character advancement's really fun in it um and it's very versatile i think it doesn't scratch a tactical itch that i have sometimes Mm -hmm. uh in tabletop very well at all right and i think that that uh it kind of depends, like, if I'm in the mood for a story light game, that is as story light as I want to be, and that's my go-to. Yeah. If I am in the mood for something a little bit crunchier, though, I try to avoid it and uh, and play something different. So I do think it's mechanically uh, very elegant and good. Um, I just think that it's, uh, it is lacking a little bit in, like, the game game part of tabletop which is kind of unfashionable to like but i do think is really cool and important
0: yeah yeah so just uh, you want something for play that's more than facilitated improv which is what it seems apocalypse world dungeon world mostly leans into yeah
1: yeah which is cool like i think that's that has its place i'm it's opened up the game to a lot of people Uh i've the game i'm running right now with my tabletop group is is apocalypse world like Mm -hmm. i generally really like that and think it has its place i just don't think it's solved tabletop right Like, I think there's an attitude that, uh, among tabletop people that, uh, in, in kind of like bending over backwards to reject dungeons and dragons have said like, you know, and to be inclusive, which is a good impulse have been like, you don't need to have this be a game at all. Like there, there isn't room for the concept of challenge, Mm -hmm. uh, in this. And I think that like, I don't know, like, I think that is kind of a cool, you know, problem solving and puzzle solving is fun. Yeah. You know, if everything is a correct answer you know, that can tell a really cool story and you can have tons of fun with that, but mm-hmm. it's not the only way to have fun. Yeah. You know, agreed. So, yeah. Uh Gabriel says, uh, one of my favorite podcast networks just went exclusive to Spotify and it rustled the feathers of a lot of their fans. What are your guys' opinion on these sorts of exclusivity contracts? And would you do this provided the chance?
0: No. Um, I the, mean, now, if the money was I mean, right, okay. probably not.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the money would have to be like astronomical. Yeah. Money. Like it would have to be silly fucking money. Yes. Like somebody would have to make a really bad investment in the two of us. <laughs> you know, like hey, we're gonna give you a million dollars a year to do this. I'm like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Hey sucker, really? <laughs> you know, uh, it would have to be just like an absolutely stupid amount of money. Yeah. Uh, to yeah. do that. I, you know, I, I think that they, uh, I, it doesn't sound <sighs> like I, I look at this from the perspective of doing it rather than a listener and it sounds really bad. Yeah. Um, you know, running ads for other people, like, you know, reading ads about Carfax and stuff sounds mm-hmm. horrendous to me. Yeah. Um, and getting, you know, uh, part of any kind of creative work is that you take a joy in people. Hearing your creative work and putting, you know, letting let fewer people hear that, which I understand we do kind of through the Patreon, but yeah. we still put out a billion hours of stuff for everyone. Yeah. And also, um, like,
0: it, it's through the Patreon, but literally anybody can take that feed and put it wherever they want to. We're not controlling yeah. that they can only listen to it through one particular app.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so so I, I want, uh, I, I feel like, you know, people want their creative stuff to be experienced. Yeah. Um, and it feels it gets in the way of that.
0: Yeah, uh, I just it it seems like such a bad deal. Um, If this is the deal that I'm thinking of, uh, like the person who if it was like last podcast on the left or something like that, like part of the deal was Spotify basically replaced their production team Um, (laughs) while the talent kind of stayed on, which, man, I don't know. That seems like a Wayne's World one kind of deal to me got got real range roll fun. yeah yeah it's it's your it's your basement but it's not your basement um yeah. additionally like you know one of the reasons why they have that money to throw around is because if they can get you into a walled garden on the app um listener stats and listener behavior becomes much more monitorable and they can sell your behaviors basically yeah. they can sell information about your listening behavior uh which makes you more valuable as a commodity for advertisers which I don't know I don't feel good having the audience be that no uh, no it just there's all kinds of like ethical things about it that would make the price tag associated with it really really high yes
1: yeah yeah you know and and yeah there's no real reason for us to right you know but in general I'm against it and when that kind of thing happens to stuff I like, Mm -hmm. it's pretty good offboarding opportunity. Yeah. Like I'm not encouraging, you know, uh, anyone to do that specifically, but for me, like when something like creates some friction, um, you know, I operate, I live my life under the, uh, I have a lot of stuff I could be doing and listening to and watching, uh, principle. And that's just true. Mm -hmm. And if something becomes, uh, some friction for me, like depending on what it is, like, it's a weird, weird thing. Like I patronize a lot of my friends, Patreons, even if I don't listen to their shows, Mm -hmm. I just do it to support my friends. So that is not a bridge too far. But like going through and downloading an app I don't use. And, you know, every time I listen to this podcast, I have to open up a different app. But for the rest of them, I can open up this app. That's really fucking obnoxious. Yeah. And Spotify has
0: a terrible podcast
1: implementation as well. Even if it was great. I just don't want to like click between two different apps. Yeah. You know, I know that, that that sounds like nothing, but like, no, it's friction. Friction matters. It's friction, you know, and I know that the I know how a little bit about the, how the economics of podcasting work that like that podcast was not offered the kind of exorbitant amount of money that it would take for me to do that. Yeah. You know, like they might have been it might have been a decent deal. Yeah. But not to the degree that like, I think that is worth the trade off. Yeah. Additionally, you know, money isn't everything.
0: Right. Additionally, we are in a privileged position to be able to have options about it you know. Yeah. <laughs> like we are making our living off of this. We don't, you know, we don't need to say yes to any kind of Faustian bargain. You know, some yeah. other people might not be in that position.
1: Yeah, I'd be curious. Yeah. As to what like knowing the details about it and what they were offered. Yeah. You know, if it, if it's quit your day job money, if I didn't have this. Right. And it was quit your day job money, yeah. Yeah. Probably would do it. Mm-hmm. If uh if it was not quit your day job money though, if it was like a little extra on the side. Yeah. yeah. No. No, I'd rather just build it up. Not for me. Not Um, for us. uh, Let us move into lightning round before we do our topic. Yes. (laughs) Jeez. Um, Okay.
0: Um, Chris Taylor asks, why is Cole so bad at making pancakes? It's a saying. You know? It's a saying. Yeah. Yeah.
1: This uh, became a thing on the Slack for a little while. Yeah. Uh, You know, a question about it. Um, You know, I don't get it. Cole gets it. (laughs) it's okay it's a it's a saying it,
0: no, no that's all like you can you can look it up
1: i wish there was another saying that meant the same thing but there's not and i'm going to keep on saying it no matter how much friction there is i really wish there was another one like we should come up with them listeners <laughs> What's something you do wrong the first time and then do right the second time yes uh, uh that's your that's your assignment for this month yes uh, <laughs> anyway uh uh, Julia says, uh, please rank by cuteness the following furry friends. Uh, rats, cocas, uh, guinea pigs, and hamsters. Um, I had to look up cocas. Me too. They don't look um, right. They're really cute. Yeah, I, I think they're pretty cute, but they do look like uh, weirdly sentient.
0: They're about like, they they look like they are one quarter of the way from in between anamorphing uh, from yeah. like a hamster to a koala bear and yes. that half in or, half outness is pretty unsettling to me
1: or a kangaroo yeah or something they also permanently smile Ooh. which I, I find a little bit odd yeah um yeah uh for me because i have a personal relationship with two very special rats in my life rats have to win Yeah. Uh, because of blossom and six the two rats that i get to snuggle with two Aww. brothers that i i love very dearly uh, yeah. who i hang out with a lot and let like crawl all over me and lick my face and <laughs> Be extremely cute. They drag their balls across my neck, basically. Oh, of course. Cause, yeah. Because that's rats all they have do. Balls. <laughs> they balls. Yeah, balls. They, they,
0: they don't know how to not. So,
1: yeah. I really wish that we could have neutered those guys when they were still young. Yeah. <laughs> Neutering them halfway through their life seems cruel, but like, I just really do not like the testicle game on a rat. No, no. For me, number one would have to be
0: hamsters. I don't know. There's something about mm-hmm. their proportion that really works for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but rats would be pretty close behind. I think that guinea pigs would outrank quakas. Uh, mostly because of the sounds Uh, guinea pigs make wonderful sounds
1: yeah they're also there's an i don't know about quakas in terms of uh intelligence and stuff Uh but one of the things with guinea pigs and hamsters is they're both dumb as fucking posts yep you know and that can that can work either way yes like you can get a rat can like you can tell a rat to go give you a tissue and you can train it to go give you a a kleenex (laughs) i love
0: love those videos that's incredibly cute yeah
1: Yeah, every time you sneeze, a rat goes and gets you a tissue. Get Mm -hmm. get the fuck out of here. Yeah, uh, you're basically
0: living in Cinderella. (laughs)
1: Yeah, that's a brown janket. You got yourself a brown janket. You know, but without all the horribleness. Right. You know, but like a guinea pig, like, a a guinea pig is like Todd from Breaking Bad. Yes. Like, they can be cute, but like,
0: mm mm-mm. Yeah, no.
1: They're just like their little bleats. I always stop by them at the pet store. Oh, they're incredibly cute, just like Todd. But like, they're not... not, They're not, they're not smart. Right. You yeah. know, they're, they're a little too dumb. Yeah. Um, do you have a preference between the Busey uh, guinea pigs and the Gary Sinise guinea pigs? Like as far as the grooming? <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Well, there's the, there's those wild guinea pigs. There's the, the Gary Busey guinea pigs <sighs> okay. that are all like, you know, crazy haired and stuff. And then there are the ones that look like kind of big hamsters.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. I am, I am more fond of the short hair ones, but mm. I wouldn't kick a Gary Busey guinea pig out
1: of a cage. Yeah, yeah. I think they're harder to pet. The
0: the, ones. the 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 yeah. It's it's hard to know. I, I like to, I like to know how much fluff I'm gonna get before you hit resistance, so I don't oh, yeah. you know snap it in two. Oh
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they're all great though. Rodents are great. Yeah, yeah. Pocket pets is what they call them at the vet. <laughs> I <really> like. <laughs> is <Yeah>. that great? <laughs> the shelter where I got Greta called them critters. Critters is good, too. Yeah. Like, God, I love Critters. Crit- critters yeah, is good. Animals are just good. Like, yeah, I just, I don't, you know, I can't get over it. Like, animals are just good. Yeah. I, uh,
0: I, I think that exact thought, like, every day.
1: <laughs> yeah. I love them so much. Yeah. Like, they're all good. They're all my friends. Yes. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let, let's see. Matthew writes, if you could have any one
0: item from a Souls game in real life, what would you choose? Lord Vessel.
1: Of course. Yeah. Teleporting would be cool. Uh huh. I'm slow night crawler, baby. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me get out this flint and tinder. I need a
0: fire to set by. But yeah, the travel between two different fires. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Very cool. Like, yeah. end up at Burning Man all the time. <laughs> Damn it. Well, That's okay. Goddamn. At least there's
0: drugs. Yeah, at least there's drugs and I, tit. I say that like I do drugs. Or like you do. <laughs> it would it. be the miserable thing. Yeah. Be okay, I,
1: hey, I, I would. I would totally go to Burning Man just to have a story, yeah. just for like abject like five abject sufferings in a row. Yes. But the you know, other than that, like yeah. it's mostly for the novelty.
0: I, I I mean I view Burning Man like I view the gathering of the Juggalos pretty much. Yeah, yeah, pretty yeah. pretty much. The Which same I would thing. also
1: do. Yes, for for abject suffering purposes. Right.
0: Like. Yeah, but like I, I don't know. I they would immediately clock me as somebody who is there for anthropological reasons.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a morality to that. I, I've thought about like yeah. many times. Like, yeah. I just I just you know? let let them be. Let them let them throw trash yeah. at te- tequila. Ah. Yeah, let them eat each other's asses out yeah. and leave makeup stains and buttholes. Like, <laughs> it is not my place to judge. Nope. You know. <laughs> um, so. Uh, Holland says, uh, Duck Pete opens up a network themed restaurant. So obviously you guys had to make up your own version of the happy birthday song to avoid any lawsuits. I didn't expect that to go that way. Yeah. Uh, how would that go? <laughs> well, since 2016,
0: happy birthday to you has been in the public domain, uh, as the result of a controversial court ruling.
1: There you go. Yeah. So we would just use happy birthday classic.
0: Yep. Um, my you know? favorite, my favorite answer to this, um, is, from Aquatine Hunger Force, Happy Spirit Journey Formation Anniversary by mm-hmm. <laughs> by uh, well, Getty Lee and uh, oh gosh, what's his name? Mother Danzig by Getty oh, Lee dancing. and Danzig. Yeah, yeah. Seven um, minutes long.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I think that the real answer to this, not to take a joke question and answer it real, is we yeah. wouldn't make our employees do that. No, no. Yeah, if it was your birthday, we'd be like. Oh, congratulations like let's yeah. get to business yeah uh you, know? you,
0: you, you you'll get a free you know I, I will, and the, and the uh, just the the spirit of generosity we will give you a slice of cake that is cool yep. but uh and if you guys want to sing you can but guess what our servants our server serving staff is not monkeys
1: yeah you get you get jala prenda's birthday fries <laughs> and that's it the um uh gabriel says uh cole which department store do you like more coles or ross uh gary would you ever move to gary indiana
0: uh, I'll do mine first. I've never been to a Ross. Um, I've been oh. to Kohl's. Um, <laughs> they they just don't have them out here. I've been to Kohl's. Uh, that was primarily the place where I got most of my clothes when I was in school, like when, when, when my mom would go by. Uh, I've got a problem with Kohl's because anytime I've ever gotten a coupon – you know, my mom will be like, Oh, I have thirty, thirty percent off at Kohl's. I'm like, all right, it's cool. I'm gonna go and get a new winter jacket, is what happened recently, but it's there have been other times. You go there, you get up to the front and you say, I'd like to buy this jacket with this coupon. And they say, actually this coupon doesn't apply to this brand.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, they they do that
0: to yeah. you, which I do not care for. Yeah,
1: I don't I don't like that. No. Um Yeah, I, I I have been to to a Kohl's. I've also been to a a Ross. Got you know, yeah. Ross by the mall. Ross is fine. I bought a bunch of white shirts. Yeah, you know, undershirts from there. It was, it was cool. Kohl's is a good place to buy shoes. Sure. Yeah, I buy it. Um, I would never move to Gary, Indiana. I mean, it's you went pit. there. You went there once
0: and saw a car on fire, and nobody yeah. nobody seemed concerned, yeah. right?
1: On my way to a kids in the hall uh, live <laughs> performance, and nobody seemed to care. Right. Uh, my association with Gary, Indiana, is it's a real pit and it smells bad. No nope. offense to anybody who lives there, mm-hmm. but as far as towns go, yeah. I think
0: about that car on fire every time I drive through it on the way to uh, Milwaukee. Every time you
1: torch a car, <laughs> oh, yeah, there,
0: you know? that's just for me though. That's
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I think about it because as as a pyromaniac, yeah. fire gives me a boner. Mm-hmm. Can't finish without it. Can't um... finish without it. Can't finish with it
0: uh toka writes uh have you guys got any thoughts on dying light 2 since chris avalon is the writer could it be a stealth new vegas successor
1: yeah no you know uh i love chris avalon i love i love his writing he's written like most of my all-time favorite games yep you know by volume um his more recent stuff has been like now that he's kind of it feels like he's kind of a, a professional ad to existing products yes i i associate him with making dialogue not embarrassing more than being transcendent. And I yes. don't mean that to be damning because like, it's really important, you know, playing through divinity original sin Two, which he did a lot of contribution stuff for. Um, it was really a big deal Yeah, that, that the dialogue and like, that was such a quantum improvement over DOS one. Yeah. Um, that it was a, such a really valuable service to that, but it wasn't like, Oh, this is torment to me. Right. You know? So I think he will make, and that's the dying light, which is a cool game. Uh, the writing in that first game is repulsive. Yeah, it is. It is an embarrassing video game as far as story. Uh, it's incredibly fun mechanically. So yeah. if he can do the same, which is the same thing as DOS One, if he can do the same thing and just make Dying Light Two not embarrassing, but keep all the mechanical shit from Dying Light, yeah. then he will have done you know the Lord's work, and that's what I'm expecting from from Dying Light Two. Yeah. Or hoping for, I guess. Yeah, I, I can't. Like,
0: what was the last game that he was the sole design? You know, not the sole designer for, but like from conception, it was his idea to tell this kind of story in this particular
1: way. I I don't know.
0: Yeah. You know. You know, because like he he is brought on as a sweetening layer for for mm-hmm. pretty much everything, um, which is fine and needed. But yeah, I'd be curious to see him. You know, take a shot. Because, like, he did yeah, I, he he did writing stuff for Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, and I can't
1: tell. Yeah, yeah he 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 is like sweetening is its own skill. Yeah, you know, in writing, it's different than yeah. than uh, just kind of conceiving from the ground up, mm-hmm. and it's a valuable skill. Yeah, but it's not going to give us another new Vegas.
0: No, no. So, like, when I see him added as a you know you know when, when he is a bullet point when Chris Avalon is a bullet point on something, it means that I will pay attention to it and like just kind of like wait and see. Uh, Mm -hmm. But it is not necessarily like a day one purchase, day one play kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Even though I am very interested in Dying Light 2 because Dying Light 1 was some of the most like co-op fun I've had. Yeah. uh, You know, while just absolutely having a dog shit (laughs) (laughs) story.
0: Right. The the traversal
1: movement in that, like the grappling hook uh that you get in the second half of the game is fucking incredible. Yeah. Like first person grappling is very fun.
0: And that's the team that did did, uh, Dead Island, right?
1: It, yeah, which yeah, also so. has one of the most embarrassing fucking stories that really, I've ever
0: seen in a video game. Really bad and gross. Yeah,
1: absolutely disgusting. Just like gross, shallow. There's a character named Cinnamoy. I <laughs> that's not a name. Cinnamoy? Like me and, me, yeah, me, me and Derek. Like, for some reason, Derek just started going, Cinnamoy. And saying it like that, and I don't know why. But that's a thing every once in a while. Uh, Derek will surface with me, and it's very funny. Yeah. Cinnamoy! Um, yeah, it's a repulsive game that nonetheless had fun combat. Oh yeah. Um, Ian says, uh, I'm interested in Gears Tactics, which looks like a blend of XCOM and Gears of War. What other games or media properties would work well with XCOM style adaptations? Oh, shit, man, D and D, D and D.
0: Like X Men. Ah, yep. No X Men would be very good as well.
1: Yeah. yeah so, somebody mentioned the X Men thing uh, on the Patreon. I yep. think in the comments to the XCOM thing, and my heart skipped a beat. <laughs> and, I, and it was like shit like you it would be classless like you wouldn't have you'd choose individual x men you wouldn't and they'd have to be pretty different, yeah, yeah, but that could fucking work dude and d and d would be a phenomenal and d n d and d is class classful, and it'd be make up for that shitty d and d tactics game, yeah,
0: it's just like it's huh? it's so obvious that that should be a thing, but it just hasn't been, yeah yeah. Ooh boy! You know, instead we get (laughs) that'd be really good. Uh, Instead we get like I don't know. I don't have an awful lot of hope for that Dark Alliance game based on the trailer that I saw, but that wasn't gameplay, so maybe it could be good. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know. And that's
1: that's definitely not. uh, It's not going to be tactical, though. Yeah, it's not going to be tactics. It's going to be Diablo like. Yeah, which is fine. I like the Dark Alliance games, but yeah. (wharp) 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 Um. Yeah. Let's uh, let's get into our topic. Yeah. Let's do it. Um, Um,
0: so this, the topic we have ultimately decided to do here is a combination of, um, two prompts that we have gotten. Um, and i'm going to give you uh, kind of both of the both of the uh, uh, topic suggestions here first beatrice writes i recently watched a video review for a one dollar game on steam just a mini game collection that probably was designed to take to take up an hour or two before you put it down for good what was interesting to me was that the reviewer preemptively countered what seems like a typical response to short games regardless of their cost mainly that it doesn't have enough gameplay or content to satisfy the purchaser given that it was less than a decade ago that people were buying three-minute songs on iTunes for the same price as the above-mentioned game what are your thoughts on the price-to-value disparity between games and other media, uh, whether that be dollar theaters, uh, coin flippers, or, or oh, comic floppies, sorry, etc. Coin flippers.
1: Nope. I, I scrolled they down. They spell and pronounce their names differently.
0: I, I, I scrolled down, and I saw uh, that the – I remember that the last two words uh, began with C and F, and my mind filled in the rest. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're really learning how Cole reads out loud.
1: <laughs> yeah, one step ahead of the game, baby. Yep.
0: <laughs> so um and then Philip goes in to talk about um specifically like negative reviews that games get for being too short while the while said games were also really dense with detail. Uh so bringing up an example here, 2015's The Order 1886, uh, which it re- reviewed very, very poorly for being short. Uh, Here it says taking only six hours to complete, but Philip really enjoyed all of the small touches that they put in to recreating that era of London, basically saying, does this kind of review or does this kind of reaction to short media, um, you know, make it make make developers less willing to put small touches into their games um, and focus on anything besides lengthening the game as much as possible to add to perceived value.
1: Yeah, or add to, you know, yeah, the two different matrices of work you can put into in terms of depth and length. Yeah. So, like, broadly, you know, we did uh, the ethics of game consumerism. Uh, This is, you know, what we're kind of calling, like, the economics of of game consuming. Yes. You know, in general, like, not just touching on it generally, but specifically Mm -hmm. as as of length and how to evaluate uh, time versus dollar.
0: Yes, and
1: uh, but I'm, and guessing about the developer to that side, but you know, speaking mm-hmm. to the the consumer side and their critical side. Yeah, so you know, there are kind of
0: two you know two rules that I that that I bring to this. I really try not to when I'm talking about a game, not to assume what somebody's dollar to hour ratio ought to be. Because you have no mm-hmm. idea. It's kind of like with the Patriot, right? We have no idea what $5 means to that one person, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I tend to try to divorce those two things. And along with that, you, you know, you just kind of have to let each individual person decide what that is for themselves, you know? So when it comes to, like, making a critical evaluation of it, that's where I stand on, like, factoring at length versus ver- versus value, I, I generally will not comment on it unless it is extremely egregious.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 my instinct is that it should not matter to the evaluation of a thing. Right. You know, so like, you know, choose, choose, you know, I was just going to say a movie that I think is really good, but then you're going to end up with people being, well, not for that movie. <laughs> like choose a, choose a movie you really like, right. You know, like whatever a movie is, that's genuinely considered, generally considered to be really great. Like the Godfather. Yeah. Right. Uh, You know, you go see a, Buy a movie ticket to see The Godfather. Again, don't fuck with me with inflation on this. Like, I'm trying to make a point. Straw men, they're circling around (laughs) me like fucking gnats. Uh, But you spend $7 to go see that movie. Right. If you spend $70, the movie doesn't change. Mm -hmm. Like, the movie itself is not different. So, like, does The Godfather become a bad movie at that point? No. Yeah. You know, like, it's kind of like this plays in the, the circumstances of like the difference between the quality of a thing and the worthiness of it, which are weirdly two different axes yeah, that are, that are oftentimes conflated. Like mm-hmm. it, uh, it can, it can matter. Like I wouldn't spend, you know, I like the Godfather. I wouldn't spend $700 to see it. Nope. You know, so it's not worth it to me, but that doesn't mean that I would like it less or that I think it's worse or that it's objectively worse or right. anything like that. Yeah. Um, And that, that's kind of what I think about with like the order And stuff like that. I remember reading reviews of that and thinking that game looked really cool. Yeah. uh, You know, when that was coming out and then uh, everyone hated it because it was so short. Somebody uploaded a full playthrough of it. It was like four and a half hours long. And then there was this controversy where somebody was like, no, that was like somebody going too quickly. If you try to get everything, it's like six and a half hours or something. Mm-hmm. And that's actually not that short for a single player part of a multiplayer game, like a Call of Duty campaign. Right. Can be seven hours long, but this didn't have a multiplayer component. Uh-huh. And for me, I'm like, I don't care about that. Like, you know, I did a lot of my like personal calculus in determining my worth, but it mm-hmm. has nothing to do with the uh, the quality. Yeah. Or the kind of a critical evaluation of the game.
0: Yeah, and so for me, it, just because I get upset generally when people complain about things online, um, yeah, I just, it, it's hard for me to brook it, and that's my own cross to bear, I guess. But like when I see that happen, I al- I almost want to say like, "Hey, we live in a world where the only thing that stands between this being not worth you know the 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 hours not being worth the money that's a- that that they're asking and." the price dropping to where it matches for you is like six months, you know, like you can get the order 1886 for like $15 now. And that is a pretty good hour to dollar ratio, you know, regardless of what somebody started with. Right. So I think that there's a certain amount of like, just there's a stripe of indignance that comes to that, that, that comes from this, um, that pretty much falls into the mean category of greedy dev, lazy dev, I think that well, well, it just becomes like a, like, like another, another way for people to just start kind of like moving their chips around on the table so that they can go, Meh.
1: yeah. It's, it's a place to have a principled stance. Yeah. You know, on, on a principle that, like, I don't know, it's fairly questionable whether this is the fire that needs to be put out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and the, uh, you know, so that that that's like kind of the third axis of determining this, which is time. You know, because yeah. your point, like I was gonna bring that up as well. Like, wait long enough, everything is is cheap in yes. video games. Like the, the 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 fact of the matter of this this hobby mm-hmm. is that unless it's a first party Nintendo game or ends up being very rare, uh, you will be able to play almost anything digitally for like twenty bucks yeah. eventually. You know, so that's that's the actual price of games. Mm-hmm. Games are $20. What you're doing is you're spending an extra $40 to play it sooner. Yeah. And only you can determine what that's worth to you. Mm -hmm. When you make a principled stance and you start – trying to determine whether it was a justified decision. Yeah. You know, that's the thing you're talking about. And that's dumb because nobody, you know, nobody who most people who are making that point Mm -hmm. do not have really have an idea of what kind of a cost and teams and stuff go into these, these games. We know that people who make these games are not well compensated or well treated. Yeah for their labor. Like there are people who make a lot of money who are these publishers, you know, for, for these, uh, these games that have the stink to them, but the people like crafting those environments didn't make the decision Mm -hmm. to, uh, you know, to, to, to make this six hours long. Yeah. Um, they worked really, really long hours, really hard, uh, probably, you know, didn't see their family and shit. Uh And, uh, and just being like, Oh, this is the, the developer, you know, being, being shitty, being lazy, being exploitive and stuff. Yeah. Like saying the developer in that sentence is almost too vague, you know, to be worth saying. <laughs> right? Like, what does that mean?
0: Yeah. Well, guess you know? what? Like, the majority of the people who worked on that game that you're complaining cost too much, uh, they were laid off four months ago because their project ended, and now yeah. they are looking for work at another studio on a new project.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like that, they will also have little control over. That will not. They will not be the person that determines what whether it fits your dollar. Yeah. To to time ratio. And that that's, you know, us saying that that's not a valid complaint doesn't mean that it's not a valid choice, like a metric. Yeah. For making a choice. It's an incredibly valid metric. Uh-huh. Like if, I, if like, I was talking
0: to somebody and I knew they only had a certain amount of money for a, a game, I'd be like, ah, I don't know, maybe skip that one way for it to go on sale. Way for it to go on sale is like uh, appended to every single, to most of the recommendations I make. You like know, why wouldn't. You? Interpersonal. Right. Like, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you can, you can have more games. If you wait for, if you wait for them to go on
1: sale. Yeah. Yeah. Work on killing the hype inside you. Yes. You know, hype, hype will cost you so much money Uh as you're in your life as a gamer. Like that is going to be, if you, if you killed the hype that you have inside you, you will end up with enough money to retire. Yes. That's not quite true. No, none of us are retiring. Nope. Um, The, uh, but so, so like if you're, if you have 60 bucks and you're like, yeah, that sucks. Mm -hmm. I don't want to buy the order. Um, You know. I need my sixty dollars to last me more than eight hours. Yeah, you know, ten dollars an hour is not good enough for me this month because this is my budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, perfect, but that's the end. Yes, you know, like that's the end of the sentence. I think, and
0: like, it's it, 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 for me. It's it like that stops being a a take I'm going to pay
1: attention to as soon as as
0: soon as it becomes prescriptive, right?
1: Yes. Yeah, and it, and it has no like I think I like the when reviews say that stuff yeah. in a very dry way and don't mm-hmm. comment on it. Right. Like a review for the order to me, the perfect review would talk about the order. And then at the end be like, it takes about this long to beat. And it's about this much money. Yes. And let me read that and say like, okay, I've now read about the experience. Yeah. Is something an experience that like, what is the equation? Like, uh-huh. is the experience that long worth this much money to me right now? Yeah. You know? And if not, like I can pass mm-hmm. and I can wait. And if so, I can buy it. Yeah. You know, it, it's not uh, getting really fired up about it is weird to me. I mean, uh, so even if like, I do respect. Yeah.
0: Yeah. If that is the noise, if that is the thing that is going to be drummed up every single time one of these things comes out, like, OK, so you want developers and publishers to solve for time played you want it to be so that uh, you know whenever somebody buys this game nobody tells them they're done it can just keep going Uh, that's how you get a fallout 76 that's how you get the you know the spade of shooter looters and things like that like i don't know it doesn't seem wise to me as somebody who likes video games to always be solving for time played
1: Oh, it's it's horrendous. Yeah. Like even if you're somebody who favors long games, you know the the one of the the like network axioms is it's a big enough pie. There's yeah. lots of games out there. If you want an incredibly long game for sixty dollars, uh-huh. they exist. Yes. Uh, where there's no shortage of them. If you want a contained experience for sixty dollars, there's no shortage of them. Right. The the market chasing either of those axes is going to be harmful for for us and is going to be harmful to the art side of this. Yeah. You know, the intersection of, you know, where where I was talking about, you're talking about how uh, this kind of thing can be a metric for decision making, but not Mm -hmm. for kind of making a a quality judgment. Right. When those things interact, like the, the decision making, the consumer decision making and the quality of art, uh, that is always a place where the medium gets worse.
0: Yeah. It's deleterious. When those two things meet. Yeah.
1: Really dangerous and shitty.
0: Yeah. Uh, Additionally, I think that there's just a certain amount of, um, short sightedness when it comes to identifying development, um, trends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, back a couple of years ago when EA let go or Amy Hennig left EA and they basically canceled a whole, um, Star Wars game, like a single player, um, uncharted style game. And they're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then everybody came out. I think EA even came out, you know, they said something like the, you know, the, the days of making a single player game that's over in 10 hours are over. Well, fucking no, they aren't. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, I think that it's probably worth saying that, like, I don't know if if you can't make money selling games people like, you can probably find a way to cut back on the budget you know, cut back on the top line so your bottom line can get bigger. There are lots of ways that games are expensive to make that you could scale back on while still releasing a good product. All that the EA Star Wars thing said was, oh, we can't pump unlimited money into this thing that only a certain number number of people are going to buy and not put money into afterwards for additional, you know, costs. Right. Yeah. You know, for for additional like in game purchase kind of things, like everybody saw that as an axiom about the way video video games were going to go, and that became another panic about about this particular dollar to hour you know dollar to our value proposition, and that yeah. was incredibly annoying to see.
1: And seeing people do it, then in turn fed uh, developers where we get all the Schluter nonsense and everything yeah, yeah. being a live service, uh-huh. you know, because they they're you know. Corporations make sense. They're bad. Yep, but, but they make the, sense. But, but they're, they're always solve.
0: They're, they're always going to solve for one thing: profit. Like yep. you just like everything is going to point to that. If something they're going to do would make them more money in the short term, then they are going yep. to do it. However, yep. in the two years since that take went around and everybody was crying doom, I have played any number of recently released ten-hour single single-player games.
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, like, you, you Sometimes have to widen your scope. Yeah. Like there is an element to like you sometimes have to make a compromise to get that version of the thing, you know, so you end up uh, with with things that don't fire on all levels. Like maybe the production values are not as high as you want them to be, you know, on something Uh, that's a that to me, you know, I can't speak for anyone else. To me, that's not a great, a huge price to pay. Like there's still, you know, you look at something that is uh, ostensibly kind of a modest product like um, The Outer Worlds, which I have still not played through. I just kind of started it, Uh but um, yeah, I'm kind of saving it Uh, playing through the outer worlds. Like that is a modest product. It still looks great. Yep. Like that's still way past the, the uh, terminal velocity of, of how cool something could look to be totally adequate. And like, maybe if a bigger developer had put, you know, more money into it and such like that, it would have been a single player experience that also had, you know, we, we, we don't get that many Witcher threes and Cyberpunks. right? We get one of each. It's, you know,
0: and it's not wise to expect every game to be that because
1: those games they have they've got blood on their hands. Exactly. Yeah. That's the that's the thing. It's like you you know, we don't want games to be more like that.
0: No, no.
1: You know, ultimately that is bad unless you only care about your entertainment dollar per ratio and getting all this stuff. And that lack of empathy is a really shitty thing about this culture and the subculture, and it's one yeah. of the reasons why gamers are are and are believed to be largely toxic. Yeah. You know, even though there are, of course, tons of exceptions is because of that weird putting, you know, your your dollar, your consumer rights uh, ahead of literally every other metric in the world. Yeah. You know, be it art, be it human suffering, be, be it anything. And that's just like so repugnant. So in general, like make your decisions based on your budget. Yeah. Trust yourself to do so. You should not be judged for doing so. Nope. Somebody being really hyped about something they think is really good that you can't afford yeah. is not a slap in your face. No, uh, it is not. You know, if a game uh, takes 10 hours to beat and it's $60 mm. and someone bought that for $60 and they really loved it and they love that it was only 10 hours long. That is not an insult to you. No, like there's no universe in which that is an insult to you. Yeah, um, that is something you to get to not make that decision, you know, and it says nothing about the game like you deciding not to buy it does not mean the game is bad because it's 10 hours long or good yeah, because it's 10 hours long. Like you haven't played it. You just have decided not to experience that. And that's fine because there's a million things to experience. Yeah. And uh, it is, everything is okay.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like a, like another side, you know, last week when we talked about, or whenever we talked about delays, right. It's like, oh yeah, like wait as long as you need to put as much work as you need to before the release, because guess what? I've got an infinite, infinite number of things to play the way that Mm -hmm. I look at something when it comes out and I'm like, yeah, that's, you know, I can, I can wait on this because there are so many different things to play, you know. Just they cost me nothing. I'm not sitting here twiddling my thumbs waiting for it to get to 15 20 bucks.
1: Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. Um, and if you're feeling that, if you're feeling that intense FOMO, yeah, about the thing, like I, I don't think it is fair to put that on the art. Yeah. Or even on the people producing the thing Like the Simpsons Like it's the company's fault for making you want it so much <laughs> You know <laughs> like, no it's not yeah. like, Fucking child <laughs> <laughs> Grow the hell up you know? I love that like, like, it's like one of the best Simpsons. Yeah. Uh, and just like one of the most observant little bits about video game. Uh-huh. Uh, like I love that so much. <laughs> dig, dig, Even dig, though dig, dig, now dig. as an adult, like uh, I would play the hell out of Lee Carvello's putting challenge. Oh absolutely. The game looks so good. <laughs> you <laughs> selected power drive. <laughs>
0: power drive. <laughs> uh that's one of my favorite um oh gosh. Uh Digmas? What is it? The guy the dang. guy who d- d- the guy who does the um uh the Simpsons Simpsons like remix music video things.
1: Um, but yeah, that's a, uh, you know, it is not the company's fault for making you want it so much. Yeah. Um, don't be yeah. silly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So thanks. Thank thanks you. everybody. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to your responses to, uh, our games, February's games. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect this many people to write in about, write in about Atari. Oh yeah. This is, this and this is a spicy fucking response. Yes, it is. Zone here. <laughs> um, you read, you read that last question. I'll read the first Atari one here. Robert says via contact. A fun piece of trivia that I can only occasionally get to use when discussing classic games is to have someone guess what system I first beat Mist on. No one ever guesses the Jaguar. Uh, (laughs) It is very weird that the port exists. I guess Mist was the Skyrim of its time. Uh, Anyway, there's a giant robot game on Jaguar that was fun, and the Mist port seems pretty well done. I can totally see Mist working just fine on Jaguar.
0: Yeah. Um, I first played Mist. I didn't beat Mist on it, but I first played Mist on the Sega Saturn. Yeah. Yeah. It's a weird one. Yep, I still have it. Actually, it's really hard to read the uh, the journal text on just mm. a regular television um, resolution. I believe yeah, that it was a problem. Um, man, I wish Jaguar was easier to emulate. I want to play that AVP game real bad.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, hey, and is it, is it a port of the computer game?
0: Or no, is it its own no, thing. It, it's, oh, okay. it's its own thing. It's like a like a specifically like a Doom like. Uh, done. Okay, AVP. Well, yeah
1: Well, well, so so is AVP is also a Doom like yeah. basically. Um, I I have to look that up. I'm not trying to yeah. doubt you uh-huh. about that. But if there's an easier way for you to play it, like
0: yeah, the the the, the Alien vs Predator game that you're thinking of, the Jaguar game came out like five years before it.
1: Okay. Yep. <laughs> Sorry, they're on skeptical voices. They're it's, it's, <laughs> blowing my mind. It, okay. it sounds so different than everything I know. <laughs>
0: Uh, Jack writes in via contact saying uh, as one of your your younger listeners I was born after the Atari era and never had any exposure to it until last summer as my final project for my master's degree I worked on a machine learning program that played Atari 2600 games such as Breakout, Space Invaders and Pong. The goal of the project was to understand how computers learn games via reinforcement. While I've never played much of any Atari 2600 game my research got me to appreciate uh, the simplicity of the games as well as how advanced they could be if you uh, h- how advanced they could be to play if you really dig into them Even though I don't find them that interesting as games go and have no nostalgia for Atari, I can appreciate them uh, for what they are and what they were able to do in their time. Atari 2600 games are actually quite popular subjects for machine learning research these days due to their relative simplicity, both in controls and graphics. I love that my generation is getting to experience these games, even if it's not quite in the way they originally intended.
1: That's neat. Yeah. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I have more feedback than that's neat. Your research sounds really cool and way above <laughs> my head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't know what machine learning means, um, but yeah, I mean, I do. <laughs> but yeah, I don't. I don't have a tight one on it. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. The uh, yeah, that sounds super cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Alicia says via contact. I turned to eight just two months mu- <laughs> For some reason, I, thought I was going to say I turned eight just two months ago, and I'm like, <laughs> Alicia, don't, Your parents should not let you." Yeah, I, I Listen, don't. Come on.
0: What police department <laughs> yeah. do I need to call?
1: Yeah, I know. We. I don't want to stop saying "pussy." <laughs> um, I just, like, I just, it's, it's like uh, it's a good word. Yeah. Um, at uh, Alicia says my contact. I turned eight just two months after the VCS was released. And as a computer slash video game aware nerdy kid, I was of course extremely excited when I heard about the system. My earliest memory of actually seeing it up close was probably during the 1978 holiday season as a display unit at the local uh, mall's toy store. they never let us mall kids uh, play. But we'd still stand and watch store employees play it for hours. (laughs) Those monsters! Yeah, why? What is it there? Uh, Until they kicked us out of the store. Um, I never had a VCS 2600 (laughs) myself, but my American cousin from the better off side of the family had one, and later a 5200 as well. Uh, Whenever we'd visit, I would get in as much time as I could playing it. I was an arcade kid, and I remember being disappointed with the graphics of the 2600 arcade ports. But in retrospect, I'm amazed they did what they did with the resources they had. Later, when Activision started making games, Pitfall and Pitfall 2 really blew my mind and changed my perception of what video games could be. To this day, I still love big environments which reward exploration, and the Pitfall games are really the genesis of that. Yeah, and adventure.
0: I want to go back in time and give those clerks who are real talking to.
1: I like it's so what a what a what a dream job. Yeah. Those teens are probably those teen clerks are probably extremely happy. Yeah. You know,
0: Lord, just for us. L- lording their Atari 2600 over the mall kids.
1: Yeah, fucking mall kids. Ugh. Like you know, you guys don't deserve to play a, a demo kiosk. Uh, it's for us to demo it. For you. Yeah, yeah right.
0: You know. Look yeah. at me, I'm a kid in a bunch of stores that are connected to each other. <laughs> it's very weird. You come back when you go to stores that are in separate buildings.
1: Yeah, go choke kind of Julius, orange <laughs> style.
0: <laughs> yeah. oh, I could kill for an orange Julius.
1: I, I would drink one of those right now, and I don't even like them that much. <laughs> I think that I'm, I'm just kind of thirsty, is what I'm realizing. This yeah, I, I'm, I'm pretty
0: thirsty, but I miss I miss the particular chalky texture of, a, it, of a weird. Julius.
1: It's good. Yeah. Yeah. There's one in in the mall by my house, so I could get one of those yeah. anytime I want.
0: Dairy Queen advertised, "We sell Orange Julius." So I went there. There's a Dairy Queen near me and I'm like, "I'll have a medium Julius, please." Uh, which one? Orange, please. "Sorry, we don't have Orange Julius. This is just the branding we put on our smoothies." Wow. That is bullshit. They bought the Julius name and then they didn't sell the Julius <laughs> product.
1: And it doesn't mean anything. Why yep. did they choose that one?
0: I don't know. <laughs> like, Julius isn't a beverage. <laughs> you,
1: you couldn't say human Like name. You could just get like blackberry and strawberry, both of which are fine, but they're not fucking orange Juliuses. When, when you said that story, you're like, I'll have a Julius, please. And they said, what flavor? Like, what flavor? I thought you were going to end up with like, you know, I don't know, <laughs> like A1. <laughs> 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 <Something>. <laughs> like, Ooh, Sardini. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Swishasire <to> Julius.
0: <laughs> yeah. um, jesus oh man uh so kirk writes via contact around 2004 so 20 years after it was commercially relevant relevant rather um i made a homebrew game for the atari 2600 joust pong later rebranded rebranded flat ping uh but picture pong with flappy bird controls hmm I'm a programmer by trade, uh, but I've never been closer to the hardware than I was then. The book Race in the Beam describes what a challenge it was to make a game with no screen memory. Just a slow processor struggling to get bits and bytes lined up just in time for the TV's physical electron beam to sweep across the scan line. When I wrote my game, everything was in pure assembly code. Uh, but since then, a brilliant language called Batari Basic... Uh, uh, has lowered the bar greatly, albeit at the cost of letting the programmer squeeze every drop of performance out of the machine in a game specific way. I connected with a great community first on the old Stella mailing list and then on the website Atar- Atari Age. Uh, who has played a huge role in getting physical cartridges made. Seeing a real cartridge plug into a real Atari on a real TV was hugely gratifying and let my 30-year-old self fulfill the dreams of 12-year-old me. That is awesome. Yeah, congratulations on doing that incredibly difficult thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that's very, very cool. Yeah. Doing uh, doing know. this research has made me uh, want to spend more time. Uh, it, I, I haven't seen this at Midwest Gaming Classic, but PRGE, they always have that homebrew Atari section. I went to, I basically, I, I looked at that the first year that I, mm-hmm. I went, and then I never paid any more attention to it. I want to see more of what people are doing in that environment.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's that haunted house game. Yeah. That they've been demoing for, like, years. It <laughs> looks really cool. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Nick says, via via contact. I was born in 1982, so Atari was my first game console. Most of my memories with it are just flashes of things. Moon Patrol with... Man, I can't believe we didn't talk about Moon Patrol. I fucking love Moon Patrol. Uh, Moon Patrol with great music. Night Driver with the paddle controller. Haunted House with its scary-ass sound design. As an adult, I grew to love Atari Box Hard. Illustrators and art directors could go with whatever concept they thought would encapsulate the idea of the game best. Even some terrible sports games had incredible box art with collaged illustrations overlapping and bleeding into one another. Since the graphics were so basic, there was a high level of abstraction between what you were seeing and what you were doing in the game. And the box art helped bridge that gap. Haunted House has my favorite box art. It made the game far more creepy when you can imagine boomerang graphics were those bats. (laughs) And Asterix chasing you were that spider. And the pixelated eyes of the character were actually the terrified eyes from the cover. Uh, There is an Art of Atari book that is great and highly recommended. Um, Here is a Polygon article about it. Uh, Final thought, Circus Atari has great animation. And That's a great that death same...
0: animation, specifically. Oh, great!
1: Sorry, great, great <laughs> death animation.
0: Circus uh. Atari is a very weird game. It's not fun. Oh yeah, but no,
1: <laughs> it is. Yeah, uh, there's a uh, the company that did that CRPG book and that Art of Adventure games also has an Atari art book coming out.
0: I love both those books. I might yep. want to get that. That's what uh, bit books, uh, bitmap. bitmap, bitmap books. Yes. Yep. Uh, which I which yeah. I love. Yeah, agreed on the haunted house box art. It's like mm-hmm. I've got it displayed on a wall. Like, I, I just have that ca- that case there. It's very good.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and it is uh, that kind of rounding up the presentation was a huge part of that mm-hmm. that era. Huge part of the appeal.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's cool to see Nick talking about illustrators. At, at least that's what he did when I worked with him in the past. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. Very hey cool. Nick, Hope you're doing good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what does Ray say?
0: Ray says. Uh, It was a trip to listen to your Atari episode because I was hearing you recount Bushnell's and Jobs' labor crimes while I walked to my job in Cupertino. I worked down the street from the Apple UFO, and it was refreshing to hear someone decry how toxic the history is. I grew up in the South Bay, right in the pocket of Silicon Valley mythmaking, making um, And I even have an uncle who worked for Activision and made games for the Atari. But it's very weird to live in this place and not be involved in tech. I work in education. It's a blast. Lol. Um also it might be this local bubble too. Uh but I never ever hear uh but I never ever hear that jobs and bushnell were terrible and hyper capitalist scammers, which they absolutely were. Uh but just that they were business gods who broke a few eggs. The mindset here is wild and all consuming. In summary, thank you for bursting that bubble a little bit. Sometimes I feel gaslit living here in a land of superfund toxic sites and labor exploitation and Elon Musk and the college I work at having a literal shrine to jobs and waz in their computer information science lab. Ugh. Yeah, I'm happy to share those stories. Like, I yeah. like the products that came out of Apple, but you read any of these famous anecdotes that are like that people bring up like straight faced as wasn't he a genius? And like, no, he was just a dick. Yeah. <laughs> we would have gotten at that stuff uh uh eventually without like yelling yeah. at people and throwing their prototypes into fish tanks and stuff.
1: The idea that like it is it is worth unlimited human cruelty in order to jump that advancement curve a little bit. Yeah. Is a really gr- gross and pernicious idea.
0: Yeah. I don't care like, for it. Really
1: yeah, I do I do not care for it either. Yeah. Uh you know. You we're know. not here for that.
0: Uh and it's not necessarily like a it's it probably is heightened where you live. You know, I've never lived in Cupertino, but like I even outside of there never never really hear much outside basically all you ever hear is hagiography about yeah. about those people from that era about jobs, et
1: cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Silly. Silly. Uh Doug, friend of the show and patron of the Atari episode says yeah. Uh, first off, I want to thank you both for the entertaining and obviously painstakingly researched episode. I was born in 1980, and the Atari was my first console. I'm certain that if it weren't for that console, I wouldn't have the passion for games that would make me want to patronize you. And this episode in particular, so this sort of squares a circle, or at least a weird pixel rectangle. <laughs> I think uh, the Atari Ecos... Yeah, you know, it's it's a yeah. It's, it's,
0: it's one um, scan lab and one color clock.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's what there you go, Nick. I I think the Atari ecosystem is fascinating as gaming's primordial soup or perhaps its Precambrian explosion. While most games boil down to do the thing, now do the thing a little faster and repeat, for me the Atari memories that endure are the ones that broke out of that mold that did something more ambitious. I can remember afternoons spent trying to memorize the tricky platforms of Jumpman, uh, riddling out the inscrutable puzzles of Journey to the Planets, or desperately trying to master the fast-paced, complex jumping and shooting of Moon Patrol. It was the perfect console for four-year-old me to cut my teeth on, back when time was endless and the imagination could be fired on primitive mazes and blocky squiggles. Perhaps most of these games will be lost to time, fossils seemingly rendered irrelevant by the NES, a console that deservedly remains evergreen. But I would encourage the younger listeners of this podcast to spend uh, some time with the Atari, even if only for archaeology's sake, the same way that it can be enlightening to check out a silent movie or see how technological in, uh, limitations can foster innovation. None of these games are the Mona Lisa, but a macaroni painting of the Mona Lisa can still have a charm all its own. Well put.
0: Agreed. Yeah, you can um. sit, you can sit down and have a good afternoon playing with one of those like Atari systems in a box or downloading like the entire <laughs> like an entire collection of Atari ROMs is about two megabytes, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yep. yep. That's worth your time. Uh, agreed. The uh, you know, and I had a really good time. You know, going back to it, mm-hmm. spending some time with it. Uh, it was very fun. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. Appreciate appreciate you. Doug. Yeah. Thanks, Doug. Um.
0: Moving on to Death of the Outsider responses. Stewart writes via contact. I really love this game, but I was a little di- a little disappointed to see questions answered about the Outsider himself. I like this kind of mysterious trickster character and wanted him to remain unscrutable. I know his absence doesn't remove the void's influence from the world of Dishonored, but should he have been left as a mystery?
1: I think the idea was like, you know, they they talked about this, uh, this, you know, the current Dishonored games being kind of the outsider's arc. Yeah. You know, and I think the idea is they just wanted to be able to draw a line under that and move on. Yeah. Uh, So I get it. Like generally I don't want things explained, but a lot of times that's for perpetual things because, you have to go back to it. Yeah. So like the example I always use is they did that Wolverine origins comic. So we know Wolverine was a sickly little boy who was brothers with Sabertooth in Canada. Uh, that's dumb. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and the only reason it's really dumb, if it was the last thing that ever happened to Wolverine, you'd know, be less dumb. The fact that I still had to wake up in every fucking day and read about Wolverine <laughs> despite, and know that it's, it's what makes it, makes it more frustrating. Yeah. yeah. The fact that the outsider won't appear. We're not going to have to deal with the explained outsider in future games, uh-huh. theoretically. So I think that that ends up making it a little bit better.
0: Yeah, makes it a little bit better. I also like the way that they handled it. Like him being a sacrifice was a good mm-hmm. arc for them to choose. I think I like that a little little bit better than him just being the manifestation of a space whale. You know, which well, is they, what we thought in the first. But
1: yeah, yeah, and and he's still kind of he's tied to it, but whatever that means. Yeah, there's yeah. a nice little parallel with that, where because you know the Abbey of the Everyman blames uh, all of their problems on the outsider when really it is, it is human evil. Yeah. You know, it, it is the occult mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then Dowd and other people who have been influenced by the outsider. Mm-hmm. You know, they're saying like, Hey, you made us do this stuff. And like, no, yeah. it actually was our own base Yeah, so influences and to, stuff. To, so that to have that,
0: it come full circle to be that the influence, the influence of the outsider is the result of human, you know, of, of,
1: of, of human action in cruelty. Yes. Works. Yeah. That ends up making sense to me. Yeah. Yep. Um, Alex says, via contact, one thing I really appreciated about Death the Outsider was the fully regenerating Void Energy. It papered over the more limited power set by letting me use them as often as I wanted. I do wish the face-stealing abil- disguise ability had a bit more usefulness, but I really loved using it to participate in the auction to win the Poppy Serum instead of stealing it.
0: Yeah, that was a good that touch.
1: That is a good touch. Fun. And I like the regenerating Void Energy, too, even though it does lead to position you know, times where... It's It's like a time tax. Yeah. Yeah. Just standing and waiting for your stuff to recharge kind of blows. Yeah. You know, Yeah, generally agreed.
0: Yeah. Uh, Duke writes in via contact saying, I wonder how many of this game's limitations are due to time and budget constraints. I really, really like Death of the Outsider, uh, but it has a lot of elements that are great in theory, but have tricky practical application. Semblance, plagued spirit, etc. And more so than that, has some really cool details that many players will probably never see because they are hidden in areas the player has no reason to return to. For example, if you keep Jacoby alive in Mission 2, but turn him into the journalist, you can find that Jacoby has hanged himself in his apartment in Mission 3, but you have no reason to return there. Similarly, if you didn't kill anyone in the Spectre Club in Mission 2, uh, you can go back in Mission 3, but again, there's no reason to. Uh, If you went on a murder spree in there in 2, the club will be sealed up by a Grand Guard soldier with a civilian asking an eyeless goon why the club is being investigated if it is a, quote, legitimate business, uh, with the eyeless complaining about being the victim of slander. Still, many of these complaints come from a place of wanting more and or finding missed potential in a game overflowing with great stuff, so there are worse fates for a game. Uh, and then Duke adds a parenthetical here, correcting us. Also, I try not to be the kind of person who goes around correcting pointless details on podcasts, but I wanted to bring this up because it was absol- it is absolutely delightful. Regarding the self-portrait of Duke Abel, uh, the situation isn't. That it was made by the body double, but is still valued because people think it was made by the real Duke. It was made by the real Duke. The body double is a truly good painter. And one of the reasons the double can't stand the Duke is because the Duke takes credit for his paintings while himself being a terrible painter. I I had forgotten that detail. Yeah. Um, Thank you for questioning us. It's like I when there are two options, I will pick the wrong one first every time. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it's just been a little bit since I played. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Dishonored two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I you know as far as that that kind of you know this could just be me rounding up on behalf of a developer I like. Yeah, I like that there are those little hidden details that you have no reason to go back to. Yes. And when I when I try <clears throat> to think of a reason to go back, I you know I, I feel like that might be a little bit artificial. Like I kind of yeah. like those as hidden things. You know, uh, the idea like almost like little Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. That you can find. Um you know that that feels like a, a, you know one of my favorite uh like TV tropes rabbit holes is that like the the de- developer foresight. Oh developer thinks of everything? Yeah. It it got renamed Developer Foresight. Oh, Jesus. TV Tropes Drama. Cool. Um, All right. Yeah. I don't, you know, I'm sure that they're like some of the least tolerable people on earth argued for a long time about making that change. Sure. Um, You know, for some reason. But it is, uh, I love that kind of stuff in games. Like, I love, you know, the developer, you know, anticipated you doing something that you wouldn't necessarily do and accounted for it logically. That makes me really happy. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's kind of how I think of those two examples. Yeah.
0: And talking about like the powers that were not necessarily um utilized to their fullest, like the developer has come out and said, like, yeah, we <laughs> we had much bigger plans for semblance, but we had to scale it back because of time and money limitations. Like that is just part of the part of the story of the development of Death of the Outsider.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Yep. Uh moving on to okay. XCOM enemy unknown within responses Mm -hmm. ben says via contact xcom and its sequel are some of my all-time favorite games the drip feed of new enemy units throughout the game is masterful and adjusting your tactics on the fly to these new threats is exhilarating i think these games are at their best when everything goes wrong the amount of times a missed shot would take down a wall to uncover a second enemy squad leaving me outnumbered was a brilliantly traumatic feeling (laughs) so hilarious when that happens yeah, it's great. Uh, it's one, been, of the mo-
0: one of the most disastrous things that can happen to you in a run.
1: <laughs> yep, it's, it's it's really, really horrible. Yeah. The um, I love that, uh, uh you know, so I, I've been, the XCOM basically took over the Slack for a while. Yes. Uh, when we were covering that, and it has really, really lit a fire for me to play XCOM 2. And the yeah. only reason why I haven't done it is because I don't want to, like, give myself a project that I do instead of work. Right. Because I know that I will chug it. Uh-huh. And I do do not need a chuckable,
0: Yeah, no, you need to step, step around that hole for a while. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. <sighs> Corey writes via contact, I didn't get around to playing Enemy Within until XCOM 2 had already been announced. And since I had played Enemy Unknown, I decided to try Iron Man mode. I encountered the newly added Newfoundland chrysalid mission relatively early. I didn't even have laser weapons and hadn't really built up a bench of reserve soldiers. Thanks to my experience with the original, I handled the initial chrysalids reasonably well until arriving at the boat. By that point, I had taken some hits and used most of my consumables. I slowly, carefully maneuvered my entire squad up into the boat and discovered the wind condition and structure for the rest of the mission. Getting all the way back to the extraction point while dodging waves of chrysalids was a mad dash, and only one injured soldier survived. I had only a few green recruits to use going forward, no money to recruit anyone else until the month rolled over. Knowing the premise of XCOM 2, I decided this was it. This is how we lost. I only wish they offered to import a failed save game so you can get some incident so some incidental dialogue can mention how things went south for you.
1: <laughs>
0: like it. Love it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. XCOM to uh the premises you lost. Yes. So
0: yeah, and uh, not it, for people who don't know. It might as well be uh it might as well be site recon that did it. Like, I don't know. Yep. I would lose a lot of hope knowing it was in the ocean and any sufficiently large thing could be a hive of those things.
1: Yeah. 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 The the mimic <sighs> aspect of it. Yeah. You know, gets rough. Yeah. Uh, Tom says via contact. So XCOM is my favorite multiplayer game that I've never played a multiplayer game of. My friends and I all play. And like everyone else, we make our friends and coworkers in the game. We share notes about our games. However, the truly wonderful thing is that one uh, day... Something, ha- something happened to my friend as my friend Tim was explaining what happened to my character on the last mission using only Simpsons clips. I was worried that I had died in his game, but luckily for me, it was a warning alligator. This one's corked. Uh, <laughs> the next one would not be corked. I added that this one's corked because I did not know that Tom was going to cover it. <laughs> yep. uh, one of my favorite late period Simpsons jokes, by which I mean solidly in the first third of the show. Yeah,
0: I just watched it. It's season eight. <laughs> <Yep>.
1: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> um, regular daddy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Since then, we don't describe events, we just use clips from TV shows or the like to explain the events of the missions, and it's genuinely wonderful and fun to experience and to be able to make jokes with your friends. Mm-hmm. From the outside, it's so esoteric, nothing about it makes sense, because it would necessitate a knowledge of each person involved and in group dynamics and XCOM as well. Yeah. But that kind of showed me that our friend group, what our friend group was and was able to become. XCOM meme wars are a perennial reminder of the closeness of my friend group. That's very sweet. That's cute. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Personal chats are not for anybody else. Mm
0: -hmm. It does not matter that it's inscrutable.
1: Yep. I regret to inform you, Cole, that the Cole Ross died uh, in my darkest dungeon. Oh, how did I go? Uh, You got killed fighting a boss. Okay, cool. uh, Fighting fighting a a swine god thing. And I went and I had a mod installed where I can go to like a witch's house and resurrect somebody. Okay. And then I, I went and did it and it was fine. And I was like, the whole time, the whole video, which will come out, I'm so far ahead on that series because yeah, I'm depressed, yeah. so I'm playing video games a lot. Um, the, uh, so I, I, uh, you know, I'm like, I got to get my boy back. <laughs> I got to get my boy back. Did and it I cemetery? There. Did I come back wrong? <laughs> so the I thought it was going to be, since I had to jump through a hoop uh-huh. for the resurrection, I thought it was going to be a special one. But they wanted you to come back with no upgrades. Okay. So it would know, cost like 60,000 gold or whatever to get you into shape. And they wanted... Uh, 35,000 gold on top of that and 200 heirlooms. Oh, let me so go, inst- man. I'm not worth yeah, I that. Inst- I, no, no. I installed a coal, too. <laughs> like the, 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 I, I found another, another highwayman and just named him coal, too. Yay. So the class is still associated with coal, okay. but it's coal, too, now. So... <laughs> Uh, but realizing it was very funny, like the, uh, the live commentary of me realizing like, I'm not going to bring him back. <laughs> I can't afford that. It's like, like three weeks of grinding. Yeah. No,
0: you, you have my blessing. I would have been yeah. angry if you did anything
1: else, man. No, no. I mean, if I did, you'd never go out again. I wouldn't upgrade you. You'd just really? be like the town mascot. <laughs> I would just turn you into a Zatik Allen. Just hang out by the bar and like, tell everybody about the horror that's under the mansion. Yep.
0: Oh man. Uh, Good shit. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Let me see here. Matthew writes, I was really excited to see you guys doing an XCOM episode. I have three specific games I've been eager to hear your analysis on since I began listening around the Tomba episode, and this was one of them. So thank you. Uh, Thank you for listening for so long. Tomba was quite early on. Mm -hmm. Uh, This game unlocked two things for my understanding of how I enjoy games. One, I love it when terrain matters. And two, I love permadeath. My enjoyment of permadeath comes from a perfectionist streak that I have that makes it hard to enjoy games sometimes. I've always been far too twitchy with the reset button. There are so many games where I just played the beginning over and over and over, and honestly, this lack of desire to see things through when they go wrong is a problem I have noticed in my, you know, life. Uh, it's not a difficulty thing. I don't really value conquering difficulty in a game at all. I feel no shame saying that the one time I beat this was on rookie mode, uh, and it isn't like uh, and it isn't like later Fire Emblem where turning off permadeath fundamentally changes the strategy of the game. It's just that even on an easy difficulty, permadeath gives me a safe space to pra- to practice a certain measure of mindfulness, self control, endurance, and reactive problem solving. Needless to say, I really love this game. Thank you for covering it. And by the way, the observation that it always looks like you're catching the aliens masturbating is spot on, and I will never unsee it now. So thanks. Rock out with your cock out and down with fascists. I'll
1: leave my cock where it is. Thank you. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll, I'll,
0: I will I'll continue. I'll continue on the stated course with my cock, but uh, I will also
1: continue on my stated course with fascists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to stay in with my... My play in <laughs> like keeping keep it in, stay not going outside, mm-hmm. not taking out my dick. Yep. So it, it, in a weird way, my apartment is my pants and <laughs> I am the dick, and I do not leave it. Right. So the, uh, <laughs> if I can stay within the comfortable walls of these pants, I, uh, I will. Yes. No. Uh, yeah. Good on you for, uh, you know, taking a, a degenerate gamer habit and challenging it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, Not not everybody has to do that, but it's good to be, like, aware and be like, hey, you know, this is actually impacting my enjoyment. I'd rather enjoy this in a different way. Here's how I can.
0: Yeah, I can exercise self-control over this with the aid of a game
1: and the options. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's very cool. Yeah. Uh, Our final response is from Gwilam, says via contact, thank you for doing this for WAF. It got me to finally play through it on normal, and it's been a significantly more joyous experience than the pure misery of basically all my previous attempts. Against my better judgment and against everything I've ever learned about gamers, I had somehow bought into the idea that classic was the true way to play. Uh And that normal was an easy mode that cheated in the player's favor. And that was an abomination and that my dick would fall off. And this would also be an abomination wrong on every single count. Catastrophically wrong. But mostly, I want to speak to my appreciation for Central Officer Bradford and his absolute commitment to being the blandest character in video games. Uh, I love him. He's adorable in how straight-laced and unflavored he is. And as far as the cutscenes are concerned, he's basically the protagonist. This is weirdly inspiring. I mean, it's not like he's an uncommon archetype or anything. But it's one that would usually get two or three lines, probably in voiceover, in the middle of a Call of Duty mission. Here, he gets the majority of the spoken lines and the most screen time. Uh, you have to go all the way back to the first Command and Conquer to see this kind of ultra plane officer type in such a prominent role. It does help that he looks quite a bit like the original Doom guy. He implies a timeline where instead of learning to rip and tear, he learned to look at radar screens and nod gently. <laughs> Uh, And XCOM taught me that all skill advancement is a binary choice. So that's definitely what happened. Uh, Supposedly XCOM 2 reimagines him as a tired, worn out veteran. I do not support this at all. Bradford does not require sleep. His sweater recycles his body's energies and keeps him in a permanent state of arousal. He cannot become tired. <laughs> oh, and the applause when he first shoot down a UFO is an extremely nice touch. And I'm utterly certain that it was Bradford who started it. It's absolutely his style. Thank you, boys. And thank you, Centrist Officer Bradford. <laughs> very funny. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, a fitting tribute.
1: A, yeah, a fitting, a fitting tribute to, to one of our bland nerds. <laughs> the blandest of our three. <laughs> uh that you get to control in that game yeah yeah very good so yeah. uh so thanks everybody for uh-huh. writing in if you have things to say about march's games which are Valdis story axiom verge and ocarina of time hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact mm-hmm. by march 15th yes
0: um and if you have thoughts about april's games well we're going to tell you what those games are now
1: Yep, and April fifteenth is the uh, deadline for that. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Those are going to be, and this is all patron picks. Yes. So uh, if you are interested in sponsoring a game, uh, we would encourage you to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, just as a disclaimer, like, those are booked out fairly far in advance. Mm-hmm. There may, you know, we're still talking about it, there may be some changes to how that tier works. Yes. We'll we'll announce it with plenty of advance notice. But uh, people have been coming through on those, and they've been doing good picks, and we're very happy about that. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to discourage you, but if you decide you want to pick a pick, mm-hmm. uh, it will be a thing that uh, will be a little ways down the line. Yeah. Just so you know. Understand the expectation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so in April we are covering Luigi's Mansion. Mm-hmm. Luigi's
1: stately Mance. Mm, the, the Like been on. You know, it's been on my been list, a, our list for a while. Yeah. 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 Uh, a short Mario adjacent game is appealing mm-hmm. to me. So. I don't have a lot of experience with Luigi's Mansion. Mm-hmm. I played the first one a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and that's really it. Yeah. So, so uh, I, I like I'm, the third one. Third one's good. I'm really curious. I don't. Uh, I we will see. Yeah. Um, something that is a sure bet for me because I, uh, love the first one Mm -hmm. is, uh, Legend of Grimrock 2. Yeah. Yeah,
0: baby. Uh Uh-huh. We we are given a choice of which of the games to do. Uh, probably not going to cover both Grimrocks and Legend of Grimrock 2 has some cool improvements.
1: Yep. Decided to go for the ease of use as opposed to the, uh, you know, the Ocarina of Time, you know, the series is in conversation with itself approach. Yeah. This one. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, that's a spicy meatball. If you're playing along with us, it's a longer one. Yeah. Uh, you'll see that we sandwiched it between a couple short games on purpose.
0: Yes. Uh, so the third game of that month, it's a four game month uh, is going to be Prince of Persia, the sands of time. Yep.
1: Also has been on our list for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Really excited about that. Same, you know, uh, and then finally our premium episode for that month is going to be Wolfenstein, the new Colossus. We, we joked about embarrassing credits music. And
0: you know, yep. so we were like, oh, we're gonna talk about uh, we're, we're gonna hit this in a game coming up, and everybody immediately clocked it as being, yeah. Wolfenstein, the new order, the new colossus. Yeah. So
1: people guessed it pretty quick, yeah, yeah, um, this, like the this first is fa- one. This feels like a very fast follow from the last Wolfenstein game, which uh-huh. is fine, yeah, that's right. You know, it's less than a year, but that's okay because uh-huh. you know, they're cool, they're good they're games. Good games uh and the new classes to me is a worst game like it mm-hmm. is a really cool story it has one of my favorite all-time scenes of video games yeah. that i literally cannot wait to talk about i yeah. think it is uh absolutely amazing um yeah, yeah. and it's it, there's just like tons of really good dialogue in that game
0: yeah it's bad level design at the start like you spend the first third of the game in gray hallways yeah
1: yeah, yeah. that's i mean that's really the problem yeah. with it uh then it picks up and it's it's never gets great but yeah. the story stuff and the uh the that stuff i think is actually really good yeah so looking forward to that. Same. Um, we have cool stuff planned for May as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're kind of, you know, we talked about wanting to do like kind of, kind of some more indies. Yes. Uh, we're, we're doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, so far in this year, uh, tactics and indies year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so far. And that is, uh, those are two pleasures. Yes. So tactics and indies and then like a weird preponderance of Metroidvanias in one tiny little blip. <laughs> so. Uh, yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, so if you want to ask us questions, if you want to patronize an episode, um if you want to join us on the Slack or do anything like that, head on over to patreon.com/duckfeedtv. Mm-hmm. Um $5 a month gets you in that ecosystem, gets you uh access to the Slack, a bunch of bonus episodes, premium episodes, uh the ability to vote mm-hmm. on this stuff on FireSide chat unfilmable. A billion things. Yeah. Uh, ten dollars gives you a lot more stuff. You can go to five buck ducks and ten buck ducks respectively dot mm-hmm. com uh in order to get a full viewing of what you get.
0: Yeah. Um additionally, you can leave ratings or reviews on Apple Podcasts, uh tell your friends about us, uh either you know on social media, et cetera. Uh it's really easy to share uh these episodes uh from the mm-hmm. uh from the w- website where they're published. Um, and if you are in the area or you have the ability, come out and see us at the Midwest Gaming Classic,
1: um, on April the 3rd and 4th. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Um, we are not doing a solo panel. We are teaming up with Retronauts mm-hmm. for their panel uh, yes. there, but we will be tabling all weekend and we will have a meetup of some kind yep. uh, that we will advertise as it gets closer to you. So come out and, uh, have a couple of beers with us and, and say hi Yeah, and stuff. It is a good, fun time. we would be very happy to meet you. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it. I think so. We will see you next week with an uh, episode about Valda's story. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, good night. Good night.